Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C-Certified Brewhead, and welcome to episode 67 of Beer Another Shoot, the podcast, adjunct series, quarantined edition. This evening, we have a great podcast. This is a, a fantastic brewery that we've been trying to, we were talking a few years ago, if I'm not mistaken, to get down there. It didn't work out, but we're doing it virtually. But before we get to that, you know what time it is. Sponsor, this week's podcast is brought to you by Dr. Nick's Amazing Man Stuff, beard products for humans with facial hair. Um, these guys are based out of Massachusetts, <clears throat> excuse me, and they, uh, you know, we don't really do the sponsors thing a lot here, and, uh, you know, when we connected with these guys, it was through a good friend who was based in Vermont, and I really, uh, you know, I had a chat with them, we connected really well, they, they basically have a real craft beer ethos to the way they approach these beard products, so everything is made in the U.S., including the bottles, the caps, uh, the whole lot, it, and the oil. So the oils come from Hawaii. They're from a Reiki master who blesses the things and sends them over. And there, I learned from Nick that there's a difference between essential oils and fragrance oils. So the essential oils are like, for this bottle, worth is probably like 200 bucks because they're actually concentrated oils with, you know, made from the actual products that they're representing. So if it's a vanilla essential oil, it's actually been soaking in vanilla. And... Um, they essentially, this is one of their main lines called Beard Beer. And they are actually, there's an IPA and a stout. There we go. And the IPA is based on uh, Maine's, uh, Maine Bruco's Lunch IPA. And the stout, I don't recall, but it does have like a coffee, vanilla, chocolate vibe going to it. And it's fantastic. It, like um, he, Nick, Dr. Nick, who's not a real doctor, but he's a doctor of beard oil. He told me to rock the, rock the IPA with one of their beard bombs over the top. And uh, I'm not a beard oil guy. I got these in January. We started working with them in April. So I was using them for three full months. And it's lit, man. I feel like it's made everything really smooth, super, super clean. Um, I, I just enjoy using them. I use, as you can tell, these things are sort of like almost empty now. Um, I've been genuinely enjoying these products, and that's what we're about here. Uh, and one other cool thing they're doing, they're actually doing a Brewmaster series where they're collaborating with major breweries in the Northeast. So and they're actually making beard oils after their big beer. So they're working with uh, Treehouse, Trillium, Lawson's, Vitamin C, all those sort of like hype breweries to do it. So I can't wait to try that, like drink the beer and smell like the damn beer too. So um, if this is interesting to you guys, we have a coupon code, of course. It's BOS21, BAOS21. Link is in the description. And if you order two, which you're probably going to need more than one, um, that'll take you over 40 bucks or about 20 something dollars each. If it's over 40, you get free shipping in North America. Bam, go do it. Your beard and the person who is with the person with the beard will appreciate the nice smells and the luscious facial hair. With that said, um, this evening, this is, like I said, a brewery I've been wanting to connect with for a while. Uh, I was fortunate recently to be able to drink some more of their stuff. Um, I'm incredibly impressed. I'm really excited to, to hear the whole journey. We have John and Dave from Elora Brewing. Guys, Welcome, 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 welcome. Thank you for hanging out. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Genuine pleasure. Uh, really glad we connected. It was a few years ago, right? I think it was, John, maybe you and I spoke, if I'm not mistaken. It must have been two, three years ago. Yeah, I, I think you, uh, <clears throat> you reached out and, uh, and asked if, if you could link up with uh, the tourist office in, in Alora. That's what it that was. Event. Yes. Yeah. 
Okay, I remember and, now. Yeah, and I, uh, I, I, I think it was, it, it must have been like close to the end of the summer, or or maybe it was at the start. But um, yeah, it, it didn't end up working out. But um, but yeah, maybe we can we can get you guys out soon to the brewery because yeah, it, it'd be awesome to to hang out there. Yeah. Always the preference. Yeah, we, we typically ended up having to travel only when we were working with uh, tourist offices because, you know, all of the travel wasn't uh, pocket-friendly as such. And they made it, you know, feasible to continue to do that. So And it works pretty well because they love it. It's promo for, for the area, for the region, for the brewery. Everyone kind of wins out of it. But, um, well, at least we got it done this way so before we get into all the beer stories we of course are thirsty and we're going to crack this bad boy right here the original draft a uh i imagine this is like a flagship lager four percent nice no this is this is a, a one-off that we just kind of released uh brewery's oh, cool. done it before but it's kind of like a more of a seasonal just like a super light it's actually just like a model after a macro kind of lager it's like clean and crisp and simple just uh just a kind of a, a beer and <laughs> Easy just drinking, <laughs> just a beer. <laughs> just a beer, and like it, we designed. I mean, you got a glass here. We designed it just to drink it right out of the can. Actually, you just like oh, yeah? it's just like a an American light lager, and yeah. I mean, you, you could you could do whatever you want with it. You could do a keg stand that also works, <laughs> or a, a red a red solo cup. Uh, either or, I like that. I like that. Just yeah. no frills, just beer. I I'm, I can't even just sipping that from the can. I just I don't know. It makes me. I feel guilty even just doing that. Good. Oh, go for it. Yeah, go for it. I, I'm going to be a little fancy. It also looks nicer in the photos to have it all stuff. Actually, <clears throat> go. it's cool to see we use a bunch of corn in this beer, and um, it's actually probably the palest, clearest beer I've ever made. <laughs> yeah, they don't. I, that that clarity is insane. That is crazy. Super pale. So it's the corn that makes it, um, that gives it that sort of uh, color. Yeah, the the corn we use about thirty percent corn, so per, so pretty high, um, and just kind of modeled after like just how the traditionally the North American uh, adjunct lagers were, were brewed. Um, right. And part of, part of the process is uh, keeps it nice and nice and pale too. Like we kind of limited the hot side extraction of the malts and stuff like that just kind of like some of the big brewers do they have really um uh thin beds of of uh of grain in the in their lotter tent so they can just like rip through these lotters and um and just kind of minimal minimal malt flavor coming through we just wanted this right. to be just a super clean super super crisp beer and with this hot weather i mean it's it was snowing today here but uh, it last weekend was super hot, and it was it was it was great. Yeah, it was snowing in, in Alora today. So. Jesus. Yeah, it it was one of those depressing days where yesterday yesterday it was beautiful, and it was like it must have been seventeen degrees, and outside in like a t shirt and sunny, and then today it was just grim, snowing. Uh, that, sorry, that blew my mind. It's May twenty eighth today. That's ridiculous. That's a record. I've been in Canada almost 11 years, and I remember it snowing in May, maybe early May, a few years back, but not this, not when it's basically June. That's just mean. I think, I think last year we had, uh, <clears throat> we had a snowstorm like the second week of, of May. It was, it was kind of the same thing. Like We had a lot of really good weather, and then it just got cold for two days. And then last year we, we got dumped on like – must have been a good – 10 centimeters of snow in, wow. in mid-May, but then it was gone within 
three or four days. So it's not so. Did it did it stick around today? No, it, it didn't. It didn't. Okay, good, good, good. That's all you can ask yeah, for, but right? Just, yeah, not, but, uh, but just seeing it was weird. Yeah, it's like particularly. Did you have? Um, we had a few days that were like twenty. No, hang on. What day is it now? It's Friday. So there was like. Um, I swear, earlier this week, if I'm not mistaken, it was like I'm about to bust out the air conditioner type of thing. Uh, like feeling, had, yeah, you did that? I had my own. I had my, my, my AC on for a couple of days. It, it was almost like 30 degrees here. Yeah, like, it was uh, like feeling like 35 type of thing. We had at least like the humidity. So like to hear the, oh, yeah. that it was snowing is a, uh, is a disgrace. Like that's infuriating. <laughs> that's just wild and unacceptable. It's, uh, it's crazy. I, I, we, <laughs> we can talk about the weather all night. Um, no, this is great. It's interesting you said there, uh, Dave, about the malt extraction here. I never really thought about like those sort of North American adjunct lagers with you know the corn lagers that are aimed to minimize the malt extraction. So is it like there is malt in it, just not a ton, and it's, it's focused on the corn and such? Well, it's not. Sorry, we still like we still are extracting as much of the sugars are or, or, or close to. What we wanted to do, minimize the the time the malt was hot, um, okay. just so we don't risk any kind of off flavors of say like from the the husk of the grains or um, or anything like that. Like that, because the long say you have a really long really long mashes sometimes and really long louders um, can can kind of lead to a bit more you know, graininess or kind of, uh, harshness to the, to the beer. And so, um, just reading some of the, some of the old, uh, textbooks is, uh, some of what the, the big brewers do there is they just have really thin mash beds. So like, um, uh, I, I forget what it is, maybe like 12 inches or something like that. And, and that just helps the, the laddering process. It just, uh, just to be screaming fast and, uh, and not uh, have any of that pickup of uh, of any kind of uh, of anything from the grain of a husk of the grain. Interesting. Uh, what's excuse my uh, uh, ignorance? A mash. What's a mash bed? Is that just like how thick it is at the bottom? <clears throat> yeah. So there's different like um, styles of, uh, of brew houses, but um, there's typically like a, like a two vessel where you you mash and mash and louder out of the same vessel so like laddering is um uh, separating the the liquid wort from from the from the the grains mm-hmm. um and then there's a, a style of brew house that we have and it's a separate mash ton uh a separate louder ton see we do our mashing process in one vessel we send the the whole slur uh, the whole grain slurry kind of over to the the louder ton and from there, we start the process of uh, filling our kettles of, of loudering from there, um, and and that and that that's good for a lot of reasons. It's more that would be more of a, a German uh, style brew house versus the two vessels is more of an English style, and okay. they both have good and uh, you know pros and pros and cons of each. But that, that also having the extra vessel helps us kind of brew more in a day too. Because while one is loud, one beer is loudering, we're mashing the next one in ready to fill uh to fill another kettle that's great okay I've, I've i've heard the term before but i wouldn't really i didn't really like i couldn't picture exactly what it was okay that's great um yeah this is really cool this is exactly what you are i feel like i'm i've had more i've seen more styles like this kicking around lately as far as 
um, these sort of light crushable lagers that are meant to not necessarily mimic macros, but be that type of thing. It's essentially probably your gateway beer, even though this is like a, you said like a one-off, this is the type of thing that could totally convert somebody to crafts for sure. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, with, <clears throat> with the hot weather, we just wanted to have, we just wanted to have fun with it. And it's kind of like going for the macro thing. It's, you know, a little bit in a sense, it's a kind of a, a bit of a gimmick to, to, to make a, such a, such a light beer because, you know, craft is, can be a lot of things and uh, oftentimes it's, it's not that, but um, yeah, we just, and we just, I don't know when we're, you know, when we're hanging out, um, the, we, you know, we like to try out every kind of beer, but then when we're hanging out, everyone just, you just everyone just wants a lager, right? All the brewers just kind of, I bet, yeah. you know, after you're, after you're, after you've drank everything for, for so long, you know, you just kind of like, you don't even have to ask, just pour someone a lager and they're, <laughs> they're happy with it. <laughs> I like that. Don't even have to ask. Yeah. And, 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 and sometimes, mm. uh, like you kind of said, it's, um, it's, it's kind of good to sort of stretch out and, and sort of look at, at, at other styles that not, at, not everybody's like a craft beer drinker that sort of gets sort of introduced to you, to our beers and stuff like that. And, and even some craft beer drinkers, like everybody's going to go through phases, right? Like, like just, just look at where beer was 10 years ago when it came to like IPAs and stuff like that, sort of where they are now and where preference are, preferences are. So it's like that stuff is going to like ebb and flow and it's like, it's, it's, it's more about fun and just seeing where where we can go with beers, not not necessarily just. Um, it kind of reminds me of like high school when when I, I listened to like punk rock music, and then I was embarrassed to say if I listened to any other style of music, right? Where where now like everybody sort of listens to all kinds of music, so it's it's not necessarily like bad to only like IPAs or or loggers or something like that. You can you can kind of walk around in in between all of them. Which is great. I definitely, that's a really great comparison. I do, and I guess if you're all, all of the crazy, you know, the haze and sours and all that stuff, you're sort of like almost preaching to the choir with them. People, you know, craft beer nerds are already drinking that stuff and they want to try something different, but it within, you know, that sort of wheelhouse. Whereas like something like this, uh, a nice light lager that's attractively presented, that's crushable, that's still got tons of flavor, um, can actually convert someone who is a coolest drinker or something across to craft beer who might not be willing to give it a try. I think these are these are undervalued for sure, at least by the wider population. Within the industry, I'm sure most people understand that if you don't have a gateway. Yeah, and I, I, I think it's funny. Um, I think Dominion City, like a while ago, like uh, posted something on Instagram of like, uh, like holding up a sign that says like rate uh, craft loggers higher than four on untapped, untapped yeah. and stuff like that. And, um, <clears throat> It, like as as Dave mentioned, like there's there's a lot that goes into into to making a beer like that. You, even though the flavor profile is simple, there, there's a lot that goes into um, like making a beer so crisp and, and clean and all that kind of stuff. Like it's it's not just like the simplest brew and then just like strip everything out, right? Like there's it's 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 well thought out and and it it takes time and effort to kind of do it. So there, there's just as much. Um, uh, I, I guess like training and forethought to kind of make a clear, super ta- super easy drinking lager as as there is to making a, a super hoppy, easy IPA or pale ale or something. Absolutely, yeah, I've definitely heard that before. Someone told me that making their non-alcoholic uh, beer was more cost more money and more time and energy to make than uh, 
than exactly what you're saying, like a double IPA or something like that. So I feel like people generally maybe don't really think about that because this feels and looks easy, simple. Historically, it's something that's been around type of thing. But slowly, people are starting to appreciate it well, which, I'm, which, I'm, which I think is you guys. Is, uh, like when I say you guys, I mean like brewers. Like you were saying before, David, the brewers, um, well, you work a shift, you're lifting heavy malt bags and around all these like boiling kettles and shit. The last thing you want is a 9% you know, double IPA, whatever. You want this lat thing to just quench your thirst. So because you guys in the brewery want that, you keep making it more. And I feel like that's where that new trend came from. So thank you, because it's great. <clears throat> yeah, thanks. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's sometimes, you know, people kind of, uh, some craft beer fans kind of like uh, maybe look down on them or something like that, but just because of, these beers aren't as loud as a double IPA or a Imperial Stout or something like that, they, they, like John was saying, there's just, just as much goes into them. And, um, and from um, the standpoint of like, tank time and all that stuff. These beers cost us just as much to make, if not more, because we could have done two or three IPAs in the same time in that tank that we took to do this one. So it's kind of, it's a, it's a big commitment on our part. And, uh, but that's one thing we're always trying to have, um, like we have our core brand three fields lager, um, which is kind that's of our, super. uh, our, one of our house beers. Yeah. Thanks. And, um, uh, but we're always trying to have like a, another, um, another, uh, Another lager on tap at all times, so we kind of have a, a bunch that we go through kind of seasonally. And um, yeah, this is the one right now. We just kind of finished up our Dunkel, and then we got a couple nice. bunch coming out for the summer that we're really excited about. So, love to hear that. Um, I don't know. I guess I didn't tell you earlier. We're live, and people comment live as well. So, dear to Bozo, shouts to you, bro. He says, "My wife loves Shine, which is coming up in a couple of beers. I just need to convince her it's sessionable." <laughs> I feel like it's <laughs> what is that? Is it six? Six, yeah. Six? Hey, well, yeah. well, we'll find out soon enough. And he's also saying the lagering time frame can be sped up now with fermenting under pressure. That's the first I've heard of that. What's that about? Yeah, you can. some people claim you can kind of suppress some of the esters with <clears> fermenting <throat> the beer warmer and under pressure. Um, you talk to, I mean, I, I haven't really tried that so much. We do kind of... Um, sometimes ferment under pressure for some different reasons, but um, uh, you talk to any kind of like German or Czech lager brewer and they'll, mm-hmm. they'll tell you otherwise that there's, there's reasons why this traditional method of brewing them cold and, and slow um, exists and uh, certain things like, um, you know, you're going to get some different like uh, desirable small but desirable levels of uh, sulfur and, and things like this that develop during the, the fermentation process. And, and then over the, a, a long lagering time, um, you just kind of, you have to kind of taste the sa- same beer. And as you, as you taste it over these times, it does make a difference. You know, after it hits, after you're <clears throat> hitting the six weeks of uh, kind of lagering versus after, after two weeks, it's, there is a, I, I do, I do uh, find that there's a, maybe it's just a personal uh, preference of mine, but um, we, we kind of like to stay true to the tradition of, of uh, the, the low and slow kind of uh, uh, lager, lager fermentations and lagering time. Low and slow is a good episode name. I'll write that down. I can write that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, can, so, you can pair that in the brisket. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great one. Um, so with that said, 
let's let's get into your beer histories. Whoever wants to go first, like how did you individually, how did you first, you know, discover craft beer and, and, and get a passion for it? And then we'll build those two stories into how the brewery came about. Whoever would go like ahead, to Dave, you want to go first? Ooh, look at you both. Gentlemen. Uh, okay, so I'll, Canadian. I'll after you, after you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you go first. <laughs> So I, I, I feel like I, I might have been a little bit late to the game where um, – so I finished up university in like 2010 and I was kind of exposed to like some craft beer back then. Uh, so like I think Mill Street was sort of like just starting to kind of get out there and, yeah. and Bose was kind of starting to pop up a little bit. Um, and then I uh, didn't really pay too much attention to it and then I moved to uh, the UK for – for um, for my master's degree, and it was there that uh, it kind of like really slapped me in the face. So th- this was about 2012. Yeah, 2012. I moved okay. to Leeds, and so uh, my my housemate there. Um, it, it must have been like the first or second night that that uh, that I was there. We went to uh, we went to a like a traditional English pub in, in downtown Leeds. And I think the very first pint that I had was, uh, something from black sheep brewery. I can't, I can't remember. So like they're, they're, they're just sort of like a Northern England, like small batch cask ale. Oh, and it was like, it was mostly like real ale that, that really got me into to craft beers. So that, that was like really taking off in the UK and, and, uh, well, sort of having a, a bit of a resurgence, uh, not, not taken off. Um, so I'm pretty sure it was Black Sheep. And then that night we went to uh, this place called North Bar. And North, North Bar was like, it was like the beer bar um, and just just had had everything there. And the beer that like really knocked my, my shoes off was, it was called Halcyon mm-hmm. from a brewery called Thornbridge. Oh, I know that. Oh, I, I know that I beer. I think yeah. it was like, have you? Yeah, yeah like they, they bring it in the LCBO. Yeah, yeah. Every once in a while, they, they bring it over. Um, so, uh, yeah. So Halcyon was, was the beer that that really knocked my shoes off when it when it came to uh, to craft beer. And then so like that that was like early 2012. And then for the next like year and a half, almost two years, like every single day, I was I was drinking beer over there. I was like riding my bike a lot and, and drinking a lot of beer. I th- I think maybe there was like in like the 500, 600 days or something like that, that I was there, like there was maybe five days that I didn't have a beer. <laughs> and, uh, Doing it and like, it, and, and it, it wasn't like anything like, Oh, like I have a drinking problem or, or anything like that. But it was like, it was sort of what you do. Like I, I finished up at school and just met up with my mates at, at the pub, like went for a bike ride, like had a pint afterwards, like went home, had dinner, watched some TV, went to bed kind of thing. So, right. It, it was it was amazing, sort of just getting submersed into that that beer cult, culture as well, hmm. um, where you sort of like you start hearing about and sort of knowing knowing about beers, and then you just like go you, you go to the the beer bars to like try and find the beers. So like we would go on these nights where like Thornbridge again, we would we would go on these hunts for Jaipur, which is like their yes. their sort of um, West Coast type game. Yeah, kind of West Coast, but like. When when we were sort of over there, it's like the the real ale version of it. It's like way more sort of laid back than than what you get in the bottle. <clears throat> gotcha. And so like we would go on these like Jaipur hunts where we would just go to all as many places as we could until we found Jaipur, 
and then we would just hang out and drink Jaipur for the rest of the night. That's so awesome. that that's like where I really kind of like fell in love with it. And then, um, uh, yeah, do, do we want to get into the, that, that kind of like leads into the brewery a little bit, but okay. like maybe we can sit here where, where, uh, where Dave kind of started with it and we can kind of loop yeah, back. Yeah, then kind of loop back in. That's great. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So I, I grew up in a small town, Ontario, and probably just the same as a lot of people, just, you know, n- not happy with the selection of beer you get at the, the beer store, always just kind of looking for something more. And that kind of led me to, you know, finding, discovering dark ales is, you know, this dark, strong ales, the only thing you could, could find around around my parts. And, um, but I always, always just love beer and always just tried the, the new beer mm-hmm. at, I'd, um, and someone's yelling there, uh, I'd, uh, wherever you could. And, and, and that's the cool thing about beer is everywhere you go kind of has like, has their own, uh, beer and their own, uh, traditions and stuff like that. And so just kind of, uh, branched out of that. And then I remember, um, uh, some of the first craft beers. Yeah. Probably one of mine was the, the mill street tank house. Yes. Um, and I just remember and just being blown away because that was the first like real bitter beer I had. And it was, it was incredible. Like, um, especially back in the day, it was, it's kind of knocked my socks off and be like, Oh, this is what uh, a beer can be. That's really cool. And, um, around the same time, I, I, uh, at the place I was hanging out, uh, the boathouse and Kitchener, they had that and they had the a Wellington SPA on tap as well. So I'm like, Oh, that's, this is pretty cool. So, um, I've been traveling around for a couple of years and I wanted to come move back home to Ontario. But I, I knew if I wanted, if I was going to move back home, I wanted to, to do something cool and I wanted to brew beer. I, I knew, and I knew knowing nothing about beer at the time. Um, and so I moved back and I just started calling around. I remember calling um, like Stonehammer because uh, mm. I knew they were around and I had their beers before and uh, like Creamore and they were just like, like, no, you can't, you can't just get a job here. <laughs> Whatever. But then I was, uh, uh, this in this part is actually people kind of uh, like to laugh at this and and uh, and uh, uh, have fun with it. But uh, I was working. I did a, lot of, a bunch of landscaping, so I was working at this landscaping place that in the wintertime we were selling Christmas trees. So I was uh, selling Christmas trees, um, and then one of the guys, one of the sales guys from Wellington, came in, and um, I uh, I said, "Oh, I, I I like your beer. I, I was and I've always wanted to work in a brewery." Um, think you guys are hiring? He's like, actually, we're looking for a brewer, so you should come on by. So I, uh, I uh, stopped by and gave him my resume, and basically got hired and started brewing uh, the next week, kind of thing. Wow. And so I was at Wellington for um, for eight years. I uh, just started off as um, just kind of a assistant brewer to brewer to the the head brewer at Wellington uh, right. through all the kind of big expansion there and uh, with the uh, installation of the new brew house and. Um, and, uh, you know, a bunch of brands of beer, like I helped launch the Hellas Lager. Uh, that was kind of my baby while I was there and, and, and all that stuff. And then the whole, uh, contracting side of it and all that stuff. And then, yeah. You're that, Lager there, Dave. Been, I'm Lager Dave, yeah. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> it just kind of like hit me and I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. We've spoken before in the past. Okay. All yeah. right. Okay. It's all making sense. Keep going. Sorry to cut you off. That's fucking yeah. awesome, dude. And okay. Then, I, don't, I don't know if I'm... <laughs> uh, jumping ahead, jumping ahead too far here, but um, uh, but yeah, and then I've been I've been out of lower now for the past year and a half, um, and it's been I mean it's been awesome, but it's been interesting because I basically only worked at the brewery in in within the pandemic, so I've been like 
um, it's kind of been a it's been a wild it's been a wild ride, but I think we're um, just, uh, really excited. We got an awesome, super awesome brew team there, um, Andrew and Aiden. We call them the A team, and they're just killing it on everything. Um, and they're just like we're just like such a such a great team together, and like super stoked on everything we're doing right now. So I don't know if I'm jumping ahead too far here, and I'll move back to John and because we missed the whole opening of the brewery story. But this is awesome. This is great. You guys are working together. Yeah, pr- pretty much the brewery just uh, in, in my mind didn't start until you got there, Dave. So, make me blush here. Real quick, Beard Abosa says, "Did you work with George Eagleson when he was there?" Yeah, I worked with George while he was there. Yeah, absolutely, and I knew George when he was working at uh, Stonehammer because mm-hmm. Stonehammer is literally around the corner from, uh, or was around the corner from from uh, Wellington. And so I knew, knew or I know George very well, and he's a, he's, a, he's a good friend of mine. Love it. I don't know who that is, but I love it. Perfect. <laughs> um, you you, you got to give a, a little bit of a um, background on who George Eagleson is. Is he uh, is the Ontario Brewing like, legend or something that I should know? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you should, you should know George. He's kind of like he, – he's George is like mm. the most loving, the most outgoing, the most kind of uh, – uh, et cetera, kind of, kind of guy. He, he kind of, I think he probably knows more, more people in the brewing industry has more friendships in the brewing industry. Um, and he's just like such a, a, a warm hearted guy. He's working at the at Niagara college now as the head brewer there. Cool. Um, and yeah, I worked with George for, for, uh, he was, he was in Wellington for long. We worked there for a brief time and he's worked at breweries all over Ontario and he's got some, um, crazy stories, and he worked with yeah, we worked with Charles McLean because F and M is part of Stonehammer, mm-hmm. and Charles McLean too is kind of like a an Ontario kind of uh, Ontario legend because he's he's just been brewing um, brewing what he loves for so long. He just has a love for those these uh, English style beers, and he's in, in those. Uh, it's I really admire that. It's just kind of doing what you you love to do, and um, he's he's always made really really awesome beers. Okay, that's for yeah, George. I, I we we got to we you got to get George on the show. Yeah, it sounds like I got it. That's awesome. I love hearing yeah. about this stuff because there's always like as much as I feel like I'm trying to tap in with and cover as much as possible. There's always something that I've sort of missed. So that's all the the legendary stuff, which is super interesting because these guys have sort of been around. I imagine he's been around for a while. That's the the point, right? Like he's been in, been everywhere. Oh, and, oh yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah he's yeah. been brewing. I don't, I'm not even sure how long, but I'm sure he's been brewing for. Over twenty years. Yeah, see that. Yeah, those type of cats are uh, fascinating to talk to because they saw all of the things that that we're living now. They saw all those changes, and you know, it sounds like I got into say, beer about it sounds like about the same time you guys both did. So, like you know, I came up with the, the Mill Street's Tank House and Bug Bo's Love Trend shit blowing my mind. I'm like, wow! And we did a trip yeah. one time. I used to have a, my old co-host Scott, who's a, a good friend of mine. Still, we did a trip. Early on, just sort of discovering beer, we went to Wellington, we went to F&M, and I remember it being around the corner in like a little strip mall thing yeah. to pick up some stuff. Yeah. And I went to Wellington, and Wellington was like this tiny little like house thing, I think. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. So it was like, I, I, in, in, it's all in Guelph, right? Yeah, all, all in Guelph, just kind of on the, on the outskirts of Guelph there. Cool. Well, and Wellington kind of has still had. Sure, go ahead. Uh, I, I was just going to say, like, uh, like a, a lot of the the craft beer stuff in Ontario sort of like started Guelph in, in Kitchener, right? Like Wellington is how many years old now? Got to um, be thirty plus. 
30 something. Uh, and 30, then, 36, I think. Yeah. Yeah. 30. It was founded 36. the same year I was born. Yeah. Jeez. 1985. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, and then brick brewing out of, out of Kitchener that that was turned into Waterloo, but like they, they started like in around the same time, didn't they? Yeah. I think, I think a year after they started and as well as Sleeman, yeah. right? Sleeman's in Guelph. So yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of history <clears throat> in that town. And, and Wellington's cool because when Wellington was started, and you, you said the, the the look of it, they it was started by um, a guy uh, Phil Gos, Gosling or Gosman or something like that, and um, and uh, Charles McLean was the, uh, the original brewer there in um, in 1985, and, the, and the, these guys just started it because they loved English ales and they couldn't get any, so they right. just started as a hobby. They had they had they, they weren't in it, you know, they weren't trying to make money. They didn't really need to make money. They were just kind of uh, doing it so they could drink their own beer and, su- and supply like the local bars with their beers. And it's really neat. You see some old photos of, of Wellington and there's like the rooms are stacked to the ceiling with, with cask beer. Uh, and it's, it's really neat. And there's an old, there's an old photo of, uh, of Michael Jackson, uh, planting the tree out, out front of, uh, out front of, uh, Wellington. And uh, it's, it's cool. It's got some really, it's got some really cool history there. And it's, um, and yeah, like John said, like Guelph and, Kitchener in general, there's there's a lot of kind of uh, history there of these uh, of these kind of breweries that started craft beer in our area. Amazing. Can can you back up? Did you say Michael Jackson planted a tree out front of Wellington Brewery? The beer, yeah, but Jackson. not the Michael Jackson. <laughs> not oh. the not the pop star. Different yeah. Michael Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> oh. The beer guy. Okay, that's an unfortunate name oh, that he has. The beer guy. <laughs> I think he passed. Yeah, but I mean, him. yeah. He, he, yeah, not, I think it was yeah, yeah not too no. long ago. But um, he, he kind of like he did he did he did like a ton for the uh, for the for the beer world. Um, yeah, of just kind of traveling the world and kind of writing about the styles that were like very local and nobody's kind of really uh, um, ever heard about. So yeah, very cool. I got some work to do out there. Um, no, that's great. This is great to hear. So coming back now to loop that back around to, I guess, John, you were in Leeds and I think you were about to say something that inspired you to probably come home and start the brewery. Yeah. So I was, I was, uh, I wrapped up my master's degree and, uh, while I was over there, um, my old, uh, university. So I went to the university of Waterloo and, uh, my old housemate, uh, I moved home and he's like, Hey man, I started a brewery. So like they, they were sort of just about to open the doors of block three when I was moving home. Oh, like Kevin. So, uh, uh th- this was, um, mm-hmm. when, when Brian was, was the head brewer there. Okay. But yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Same, same brewery, um, before Kevin. I, oh, Kevin's and, on uh, the original. Okay. My bad. No, I, I think Kevin might've been at Wellington when they started. Mm. Yeah. He was at Wellington too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so they were just about to open their doors when I was moving home from from Leeds, and uh, I, 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 so yeah, so I was like really jealous, obviously, because like your <laughs> friends are opening a brewery, and that's just like wow, that that's really so what I wanted really to be cool. doing. Yeah, so I was I was just about I was sort of in the process. I was trying to go back to Leeds to do a PhD, and. Um, and then the funding opportunity that I was kind of hoping for, it didn't end up, end up working. So I had like a year off, um, where I missed the PhD applications for the university of Waterloo. I, I got invited to do a PhD at, 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 uh, UW. 
And so I had a year to wait before I could start. And so I was like overeducated and underemployed <laughs> and just working at a, uh, um, at a, at my, at my friend's landscaping company. And I was actually living in his basement too. So, um, so we would just like get, get rip roaring drunk, uh, <laughs> like after, after like 13 hours in the sun and, uh, and started talking about opening a brewery too. Uh, and so we, we loved the idea of sort of having, so bl- block three, uh, just for a little bit of context is in the middle of St. Jacob's, which is like this touristy town, uh, yeah. just outside of Waterloo, uh, where it, it was kind of settled by, by Mennonites and, and the, the thing that kind of made it sort of an interesting place was like a lot of the, a lot of the local Mennonites are like set up uh, like retail shops for, um, for their different trades. So there was like this like broom maker and there was like some bakeries and, and like all, all, all different kinds of stuff. And so they set up uh, their, their brewery like right in St. Jacob. So, uh, so all the tourists that would come to town would like walk down the street and then just like walk right into the front door and then they would sell them a beer. Right. And so we thought that was like a really cool idea of just, having people sort of just walk in the door and then, uh, um, and then, and then taking beer. So, uh, so Don and I were like, we should, we should do this. And, uh, so we were like, okay, so we can't do it in St. Jacob's cause block three is there. And so Alora was a place that, um, I went to sort of through university. It's about 25 minutes North of, of, uh, the university of Waterloo. And, and it's, it's a beautiful little town with, with uh, like right along the Grand River, so it's really scenic, uh, a lot of cool hiking, and then there's the Alora Quarry, which is um, this old rock quarry that that is right beside the Grand River. So they dug it out, and then once they were done mining it, they just let it fill up with with water. So um, so they, they kind of built like a little bit of a beach around it, and you can do like some cliff diving off into the into the quarry. So. I would go there in, in the summers and, and it, it was really starting to kind of like pick up as a, as a tourist destination. And so we were like, Hey, why not Alora? So we started looking around and we, we kind of went into this old hardware store and we were like, this place is cool. It, it was for sale. And we were like, Oh man, but it would be a lot of fucking work to turn this place into a brewery. And then, so, we like walked away from that place and we're, we're looking at a bunch of different places. And then while Don and I are uh, looking uh, where to put a brewery, um, this guy, one of my other partners, Jim walked in to block three one day and my housemate Phil happened to be behind the bar slinging pints that day. And, and Jim said to Phil, Hey, like, I love what you're doing. Uh, I love the vibe. It's, it's really cool. Uh, I'm thinking about doing the same thing in Alora." And Phil was like, well, actually, my friend is looking at doing a brewery in Alora, so you should talk to him. So, uh, so my buddy Phil at, at Block 3 uh, linked uh, Jim and I up in an email, and then we just started talking. And, uh, and then so, um, yeah, we started just like partnered up with, with him as well. And the hardware store that we kind of tried not to buy because it was a lot of work, but it had like the perfect bones, uh, we ended up buying it. And, uh, and, and started, and we, we like gutted the thing. It was, it was, it was, it was so much fun, but an absolute nightmare. Like it was, it was a year of renovations. Like, and we, we gutted the whole thing ourselves to like, it's 165 year old building, like right in downtown Alora, limestone walls, like, uh, like a 
um, peaked cathedral ceiling that we sort of like exposed and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so as we were kind of, uh, building, uh, like kind of ripping apart this, this building, um, just to kind of like go down the, the rabbit hole of sort of what we, what we ended up with. Um, we, we, we wanted a, the same kind of like ideas as block three where like we kind of like have the tasting room up front and then like the brewery in the back. And so, uh, as, as we were kind of like really getting into the construction, we were sort of looking around and we're like, Oh, our tasting room is going to be like absolutely huge. And so we kind of went to a bunch of different other craft breweries and, uh, and then ended up deciding to put a kitchen in there as well. Hmm. So we went from just wanting like a, a brewery that would sell kind of like samples out at the front samples and bottles at the front door to like having like a full 135 seat restaurant. So we never intended to be restaurateurs, uh, and, uh, and, oh my God, is it a lot of work, but we ended up with, with, a like a, a full scale, like production brewery with like it, with it, like in a restaurant. So we're like most brew pubs, like you've got like little tanks and stuff like that. Like we started with four, 40 hectoliter fermenters. Uh, and, and then now we have four 60 hex and four 40 hex in this building. Nice. And like last year we cranked out like just under 500,000 liters from that place. And, and yeah. so like in normal times, uh, you've like, you've got like this brewery, like smoking through like a ton of beer every day, just, just pulling out the back door. And then, and then somebody's like eating some French fries and a hot dog, like right there. So like, we, we also don't have the brewery like behind any glass or anything like that where, where we kind of, uh, I, I don't know if it was out of, uh, I can't. I can't remember if it was out of budgetary uh, reasons or or not, or or we kind of just believed that it wasn't. But we we didn't end up putting the brewery behind like glass walls or anything like that. So literally, you've got like this 160 year old building, and then in the 70s, like, they put on sort of like this uh, uh, kind of like box at at the back of it. So like we've got like super tall tanks back there, like 20 foot ceilings, and so essentially the 160 year old building ends with like this, this wood floor and then our concrete brew floor starts and like the tanks are like right there. Like you can knock up, well, walk up and, and knock on the tanks and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's, it's a bit of a nightmare at times uh, because it's, it's noisy and, and wet and stinky and, and loud. But at the same time, like the way that we kind of look at it is that we, we're not trying to hide anything. Like there's, there's this like amazing and unique process that kind of goes into sort of making beer and we really want people to kind of understand what that is. We look at ourselves like 80% brewery and then 20% restaurant. Mm-hmm. And so we, we ended up kind of digging into the restaurant portion of, of things because uh, we recognize that uh, there, there's, there's a huge and, and deep experience that, that people can have uh, pairing food and, and beer, right? So we, we, don't, we don't have well, – when you sort of walk in as like a customer, it feels a lot like a restaurant with a brewery, Right. But we're like we're we're a hundred and ten percent a brewery first, restaurant second, and what that kind of leads us to is is our, our values of 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 making sure that what we do in the kitchen and what we bring out to your table really enhances the experience of of drinking beer at a Laura Brewing Company. Um, so we we've really tried to to dig into that, and um, I, I think we've done done a pretty good job of of giving people like a good experience. Um, you kind of walk into the building, like it's got sort of like a big, like grand, authentic feel to it. 
and people just sort of walk in and, and feel that right away. And so it's, we, we kind of have them as soon as they walk in, but it's sort of our job from there to, to show them good beer and like show them good food. So that's, that's a long story though. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Thank you for being detailed. I love to hear that. Yeah. Um, I want to keep going. I want to grab the next beer. If y'all are down the, I imagine it's yeah. the mm. Allura Borealis Pale Ale. Let's do it. Yeah. Do you mind grabbing the next? Just in the way. Um, this beer I remember having years ago when it was in a bottle for at the LCBO. Um, would this one be considered somewhat of a flagship? Because this is probably the most consistent beer of yours that I've seen um, around. Yeah, that's the bad way. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. This is the this is like our number one flagship beer. And John can probably talk more about the history of it, but yeah, this is our. Like number one selling, number one um, cool can uh, volume. Yeah, I imagine. yeah. So yeah, so so Borealis originally started out as a uh, it was supposed to be just like a, a one off, um, like single hop exploration. Like it started out as like just a Citra Pale Ale um, way back. I think the first time we brewed it was like twenty sixteen. And like it, it kind of just, it, it really took off for us. It, it was originally uh, an American pale ale. Okay. And then over the years, we kind of morphed it into more of a New England pale ale kind of thing. So just really worked at sort of getting the haze to sort of like a nice, beautiful, stable spot. And, uh, and, and yeah, so it, when, when it came time to, we, we kind of held off on the LCBO for, for a few years. Okay. And then when it came time to, to put a beer forward, we were kind of looking what our, what our options were, what was kind of floating around the LCBO. And we were in bottles at the time. And uh, so Three Fields was the very first beer that we started with. Uh, and, um, and we didn't think that a, a lager in a 500 mil bottle would do that well in the LCBO. Um, so we kind of put Borealis up there and then it sort of just, uh, it, it got legs and, and really hasn't stopped. So, yeah, it's, as, as Dave said, it's it's our um, like biggest production beer. Um, it's probably uh, maybe about a third of our production, if not a little bit more. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I like I, I love it. Like I, I know it's like easy to say, but it's my favorite beer that we break that we brew. What are the um, – it's fantastic, by the way. Um, what, what are the hops in this bad boy? So we're using – so, yeah, like John said, it started off as a, just a Citra parallel, but uh, we we have a bunch of uh, Galaxy in there too. We just love the – I love both those hops, and I love how they how they pair together. And you just get this wonderful kind of like fuzzy peach and grapefruit kind of citrusy thing going on, and it's just – yeah, it really is um, – yeah, it's money, man. It's just like nice and smooth, nice and dry. It's definitely now you say uh, galaxy. I'm definitely getting the galaxy that signature vibe in there. Tropical, just easy drinking, wicked head, nice little like, pillowy foam going on. It's fantastic. Like five point one. It's what you need in New England, man. I love it. Really, really killer. Um, Beer and Abozo saying it's not available in North Bay, so that means it's sort of you're still sort of rolling it out further, or um, what's the availability? So. Like? Um, 
we, we, we can get it up to North Bay. I'll, I'll talk to our, our salesperson. Or um, if that person like goes to their local LCBO and and goes and asks for the to talk to the beer ambassador mm-hmm. and tells the, the beer ambassador that they want our beer, like they'll order it, they'll they'll bring it in. They'll they'll bring in a few cases and then if if people are buying it then then they'll sort of like uh then we'll keep it rolling. Um yeah, so like the the LCBO when you're a smaller brewery, you're you're kind of defined a little bit by uh, some parameters that the LCBO looks at when it comes to uh, um, how your beer sells. So, like, there, there's a specific volume per store per month that you kind of have to hit. And so, if you're not sort of in that ballpark, then they're not going to give you like seasonal um, beers to to put on the shelves, or they're not going to let you put in like a second full time beer. So. Um, for for a long time, we've we've always had to kind of focus more on 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 stores that are a little bit um, better at at kind of selling through for us, so that we can kind of like keep getting like uh, seasonal beers in and and uh, and more uh, permanent beers as well. So we, we we can we can definitely get it get it up to North Bay. So if if they ask their their beer ambassador and and they or they they'll order it. Okay, I love it. He said he would do that. Uh, doesn't. Oh, hang on, sorry, wrong, wrong one. Here we go. I would do that. I don't think salespeople are going to the LCBO right now. I'm not sure what the deal with that is. Maybe that, maybe they're not. Uh, ask, ask him what, what the, um, what, what's, what's the, uh, the address of, of the LCBO that you go to. We'll, we'll try and get some beer up there. There you go. Beer in the buzzer. Just comment here, and we'll let him know. Look at that. Getting it connected. I love to see it. Now, this was your first LCBO listing. Is that accurate? Yep. Yep, beautiful. Um, yeah, I remember seeing, I swear it was more than like, you said 2018? It, so it, we started brewing it in 2016, but I don't think we started, when did we start in the LCBO? Maybe a year later, so maybe tw- mid-2017. Okay. Oh, actually, thank God for untapped because I would have checked in. The first, I had it. Oh, May 21st, 2018, and January 19th, 2018. So the earliest two times I had it. So I imagine then that's probably, maybe it was 17. I don't know if I would have got it super early. But yeah, I just remember being really impressed by it. Like the, the label was cool. It stands out. Um, and it was just like a great, particularly at the time, if you look back to say 2018, I, always, I recall that time being uh you know, it was like the, the haze was really only starting to pick up in Canada, whether it was Ontario or Quebec. It was, a little, it was even slower here, to be honest. In Ontario, it was, uh, it was a little faster, I, I found. But it, there wasn't many that were available that were solid. Like, I don't recall trying this beer as an American pale ale. Would that be accurate, too? Yeah, I, I think by the time we got it to the LCBO, we were, we were starting to kind of nail down um, the, the haze in it. Um, so it, it was, it was, it was a bit of a learning curve for us. Like at the time I, I remember we were kind of chasing the trend a little bit Well, it, it felt like chasing it. Um, even if it sort of was maybe one of the, the first ones, like we, we knew that, that this was sort of a beer style that the people were really latching onto. So we were really mm-hmm. trying to, to, to get onto it. Um, just we, the, the beer, the, um, the New England IPAs that, that we had, like we absolutely loved it. So we were really trying to uh, to go after that style. So 
um, I, I'm glad it, it, it kind of stuck out. And I, I, I do kind of remember that it was sort of maybe one of the first ones to really start hitting the, the shelf as, as a hazy IPA. And I, I, don't, I don't know why we, we never did this, but we always just sort of like considered it like that's what pale ales should be. So we never advertised it as, as like as a hazy pale ale or anything. No, it doesn't say that even on here. No. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, I don't know I don't know if that's stupid marketing <laughs> on our part. But it, it just it just kinda seemed like that's what the beer should be. So mm. um yeah, I, I don't know. What's your opinion on that? It's definitely not stupid. Okay. I think at the time it would have made it stand out more in the sense there was a there was more of a differentiation. I feel like in twenty twenty one it's like if you see IPA, it's almost you assume it's going to be hazy unless it says American IPA or West Coast IPA or Black IPA or something on there. So maybe at the time it might have made a difference. Right now, I wouldn't even waste. I don't think it's going to make a difference at all. And also, it's it's been around for so long, right? People know it's like a it's like a safe, reliable go to, which feels like. Do you know what's interesting? When the pandemic started, one of the things we were asking people like online, just trying to get a bit of a vibe. Like what are you, what are the buying habits of craft beer drinkers? And what we found when people wanted lower ABV beers and they bought more of the same beer rather than try to do what people used to do to get one or two of like the one-offs because this was reliable when there was a stressful time and then no one knew what was going on. They probably wanted something that was comforting and that was a reliable beer that they can, you know, know that it's going to be great every time. So Having something like this around for that long, I think, is it's, it's money, definitely. Yeah, and yeah, that, that, that was sorry. Um, that, that that was always something that that we strive for um, is consistency, and um, it's it's always D- Dave can talk about this a little bit more, but it's it's always difficult to to lock in consistency in, in craft beers, right? There's there's yeah. so many there's so many variables, and like we we don't have a ton of high tech equipment or anything along those lines, but um, we we definitely always always strove for that, and and people are are creatures of habit, right? Um, at the end of the day, so um, if we were sort of lucky enough to get it in somebody's hands once, and and they liked it and bought it a few times, then then we, we damn well better be putting a consistent beer out so that when they go back to it, it's it's just as good as is that that first one that they had. Definitely. Yeah, what were you gonna say uh, before Dave? Sorry. I was just saying, yeah, as, a, as an outsider at the time when, when Borealis was first coming out, yeah, I mean, maybe, like John said, maybe you kind of felt like you were chasing the, chasing the trend. But, like, yeah, you got Allura definitely was one of the first breweries to kind of, like, go for that and 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 have that and succeed and, and kind of do it good. And I remember just being, being a fan right from the start. Um, and my and my wife, too, like, right as, as long as uh, you guys have been around – Laura has been her, uh, her favorite beer and, and the Borealis is like, she gets mad at me and it's, there's not in the fridge these days. <laughs> <laughs> she's got, oh, she got a hashtag now, hashtag we're out of Borealis. She just texted to me. Like, <laughs> and so, and, um, That's awesome. and, you know, and, yeah, yeah. And it's good. It's good. I just, oh yeah. Love this beer. And I, as John said with the consistency, I'm, so, I'm so happy with the consistency of this beer. Like we've been, Bang in this. Uh, I think this we're on our tenth batch of it this year. But even just um, even just over the past uh, yeah over the past year, just like I think we've been really kind of nailing the consistency of that one. And yeah, it can be um, 
it can be hard. There's a lot, there's a lot of variables that can happen in the, in the brewery. And, um, and yeah, then like I, I'll throw it, uh, Aiden and Andrew again, these guys are just kind of, uh, like their our main like brewing team. They're just like really, really killing it. And, and it's a help on like the recipe Like we haven't really changed this beer at, at all too much, but just kind of like, I, I mean, it was, um, just changing the process a, a little bit of how, how kind of how we go about things and like kind of, you know, the, the hops are the same, but like maybe, um, uh, just kind of when when we add them and, and, and things like that and we've kind of um, we're just like at a really good good point with this beer and feel feel really good about it i love it no it's great man um everything i've had from you guys like even recently another one i imagine it's in this series was the i think it was called the Alora australis it's like yeah which was with the aussie hops yep. um that was killer my god I was just like, and the three fields, it was the first time I had that. And it was with the three different grains with the, the barley, the wheat, and the rye. And the rye gave it this extra little spice. I was just like, every single thing I've had from you guys, I've just been like, whoa, that is crazy. And I, I don't know, it was just, I don't know if I didn't expect it to be crazy, but it was, I was just always like wowed by everything I've, I've had from you guys. Um, in the Load Stars, I've had a bunch of those, your sour, fruit and sour series as well, because they're in the LCBO too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, so maybe, maybe it'd be good to get a bit of a picture of the type of stuff from, from sort of both of you guys, um, of, you know, what, what type of stuff do you typically do? Cause if people mostly know you for, for this beer we're drinking right now, which I imagine like you were saying, this is the majority of your, your production and that's probably it. But, you know, if people want to look deeper, you know, whether they ordered online or came down to the brewery or found other listings in the LCBO, like what sort of stuff? do you guys make from what i can tell i mean you got the crispies you've got the haze and the sours but i imagine there's probably other stuff that maybe we people haven't seen or heard of as much um yeah so th- th- those are those are the three styles that i think we really think that we've uh nailed mm-hmm. well so three fields was was the very first beer that we ever did and so we were right. craft brewery in 20 20 what year was the open 2015 that launched with a lager so right. that, that was kind of a, a weird thing that we did as <laughs> right well out of the gate. but yeah right out of the gate and uh but it, it was it was something that it was nerve-wracking at the time but i'm i'm really glad that that we did it and we, we've just kind of been good I, I don't know if it's i don't know if it's the water or or what but um that's just those are the beers that have really sort of uh, done well for us. Um, we've just knocked it out of the park every time that we've we've done those beers. So we we've kind of settled in on on kind of being sort of okay with 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 uh, with being a brewery that people can expect good pale ales and IPAs. You can expect awesome lagers. We got Lager Dave, <laughs> and then and then and then when we started doing sours, like those those went over really well right off the bat as well. So. Um, yeah, so we, we don't want to pigeonhole ourselves or anything like that, but, uh, but when it, when, when we talk about sort of what, what we're, what we're good at, those are definitely the things that, that we focus on. Are you guys doing like stouts and, um, and yeah, maybe do you have a barrel program or anything like that? Yeah. So we're actually just in the process of uh, starting up a a barrel uh, program and, uh, and more of a kind of, uh, just more like you know more sour beer more 
more funk and that sort of stuff. So, cool. um, yeah, we, we, we've got some barrels, um, uh, just in the right before, was that right before Christmas that are, um, are, are going to do the thing that we're really excited about. Um, and then we got a bunch of other stuff that's not, um, that's, um, just kind of, uh, holding out. We have these kind of like small, uh, kind of, uh, small 10 heck tanks that we have a bunch of them. So we can kind of, we're just experimenting with different things. So, um, we have, we just bottled uh, a Berliner Weiss that we're really excited about. We're going to release this summer. Um, and then last fall, um, we went out and um, we, we uh, foraged a bunch of uh, crab apples and um, we, um, and we use, uh, we, we use those and uh, we, we kind of fermented the, the crab apples uh, on themselves, uh, this uh, carbonic uh, master, master thing. And, um, and, it's turning into a really cool beer. We're gonna bottle that, so we're gonna see us see us doing a bunch more of that stuff as well. That's awesome, man! I love it. Keeping it, yeah. you know, switching now, keep it a bit different. Uh, beer in a bozo. We actually just mentioned it before, but do you guys mess with the water at all? I mean, or is it like because you're in this town next to the the Grand River, you might have sort of access to a bit more, uh, you know, unique, interesting water up there? Yeah. So our, our water is kind of probably a defining feature in our beer because our water is really hard um uh in particular we have really high sulfate which kind of makes kind of can dry out uh, beers so we do um a lot of adjusting with water chemistry so we do add a lot of um say calcium chloride to our hazy beers to kind of about balance it out um i think that kind of really gives it um you know this really like 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 borealis or um or our other hazy beers it gives us this really kind of like big um, kind of creamy mouth feel, but then still has a dry finish. And the dry, I think the dry finish is like kind of really key for just, it makes you want another one, you know, it's like, there's still a good body. There's still, um, there's still, you can still get good mouth and some good sweetness, but then it just, it just really helps it uh, finish dry. And then we do for a lot of our loggers, we will bring in water uh, for that where we're kind of, we're open to, get some get like a bit of a water treatment system going on there but we will bring in soft water like for the first beer we had it was like very very soft water and that kind of just uh, goes with the style and goes with uh, the, the soft palette and the simplicity of it um, um, so yeah we do mess around quite a bit with the water mm-hmm. and kind of obsess over it probably a bit too much we could probably talk about this for way longer <laughs> than your listeners and you guys want to hear about it. <laughs> I was actually going to ask this for people without going too deep, I guess, like maybe a higher level question for folks who, I know I kind of, I've read this before, but I'm kind of more asking for me for a reminder that maybe people would be interested. What is the general difference between hard and soft water? Like what are the defining characteristics of those two things? Um, I guess kind of, kind of a, a loaded question. I, 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 the best is to think about, about uh, famous brewing cities around the world. So when you think of Pilsen, uh, where the Pilsner comes from, it has some of the softest water in the world. And that's how they can load that beer up. Well, it's better that the, the Pilsner Urquell is, um, is 40, 44 IBUs or something like this. And how they can, and it, but it doesn't, it doesn't taste like that. If you were made that same beer with hard water, you're going to get a, quite a bitter beer. So you think about the, the Pilsner's, from the Czech Republic, through to very soft water, they can load it up with hops, and you're not going to get that bitterness because um, a lot of that comes from the sulfate. So if you have when you have 
a higher sulfate, you're going to get more of a bite. So that's why we can get. That's why they make the kind of like the the, the cleanest, softest beers. Hmm. When you say you move to Germany and you drink a German pilsner, they have quite a bit more uh, sulfate in their in the water, especially uh, I think more as you you get north and as you get north, the beers get the pilsners get more bitter hmm. um, and drier. Um, um, so that's, I think that's a good example. Then, um, another one would be like the, the Dortmunder, which is kind of really hard water. And actually we were able to scale our water pretty close to the, the Dortmund water. Uh, when we made a Dortmunder this past, uh, uh, fall that turned out, to, that turned out really nice. And, um, they have kind of a quite hard water. And that's the one example of a, of a hard water lager that, um, that is kind of the, the famous example of it. Um, so those are, I mean, those are, those are a couple of the famous examples and that's, that's all dealing with what, what they, what we call, uh, uh, permanent hardness. Um, they have like a temporary hardness too, that it was basically, it's a balancing act of pH. So, um, back before we knew about this, that's why you have places, um, like in, in England and, uh, or, or in Ireland that brew really good dark beers, really good stouts. And it's because they have a higher alkalinity. Uh, which is um, uh, they needed the dark malts, the acidity of the dark malts to make the proper pH for the beer to taste good. Um, mm. So that's why naturally those um, places that made dark beer likely had higher alkalinity in the water because it had to balance the pH uh, to make a drinkable beer. Because if you're making a pale beer with, with that water and not say adjusting or having the resources to adjust um um, just the the pH, then it's probably going to turn out to be not so good beer, harsh and astringent and, and things like this. So um, it's cool to look at um, the historic brewing cities of the world, and and it's pretty much always the water has a defining uh, uh, a defining uh, features and and why those beers are the way they are. Hmm. I feel like yeah, water is that probably just made me travel. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, to be honest, I try to think about it. It's the only way to get through this, you know. Even if, <laughs> yeah, just even, put, put yourself somewhere else, right? Just, oh, I mean, that's where you uh, you can drink the beers from all around the world. I guess it's as close as we're going to get for a little while. No matter what they say, it's yeah. nothing. Right. It's going to take a bit. Um, interesting. Yeah. Okay, that's it's uh, it's fascinating. I feel like it's an underrated element of beer outside of the industry. Within the industry, people pretty much know that water is is super key, but Within you know, uh, you know, the general population might not realize that it's uh, it's pretty unique, and it's like it's that really is what makes a difference. Particularly with you know stuff like like I guess everything, but yeah, a lot of the hazy beers are the one where it doesn't. You need to treat it a bit to really nail this mouthfeel that's super unique. So I love to hear yeah. that. Um, okay, so you guys, uh, for, did we finish? The, I guess we did finish the story, didn't we? I keep feel like we keep doing tangents and coming back. But I guess if we got, I think we got to where we wanted to be, right? What? Wait, what story? With like the the brewery story and where it got to. Um, I'm sort of having like a brain I th- fart. I think so. I think we did, right? Okay, sweet. So where do we have? Was it was the part where John got drunk and got naked and was streaking down the street or something like that? Want to take off from there, John? I think we should we should start from that. There. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 didn't happen. There there was there was a lot of like. <laughs> There was a lot of drunk nights when, when we were starting the brewery. Um, I, so 
just just a story kind of going back to the construction phase of, of the brewery there, there was there was so much so much drinking that that we did when we were and, and you sort of need to when, when you yeah. when you dump all all your life savings into into starting a brewery you're gonna put back a couple of beers Plus. and uh so so oh there's a ghost story for the brewery too if, if you want to hear a ghost story later <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but so i got time. one of the first nights that yeah. Okay. Uh, one of the first nights that, that we uh, that we had the keys to to the building, uh, we for for some reason we so we, we were drinking down at, at the Shepherd's Pub, which it which was a, a pub that was sort of uh, Alora's kind of it's a it's a town that that goes the downtown's like down a hill and mm-hmm. then a bit of a downtown sort of along the river. So Shepherd's Pub is is down at the bottom of the hill and the brewery's at the top of the hill. So we. Uh, we got absolutely just ripper on drunk at, at Shepherd's Pub and caused caused a bunch of trouble down there probably. <laughs> and then walked up to the brewery and decided to, for some reason to like leave the power off to the building. So we, we probably start, started to, to demo it a little bit. And so um, one of the first things that went out there, there, there was like a spiral staircase near the front of the building. But like the main electrical panel was was sort of like halfway up the staircase to the second uh, to the second floor, and and so we ripped the staircase out, and then we didn't have any real way to to reach the electrical <laughs> panel. So we could, and we kept on turning the the electricity off, uh, like at the at the main panel every night instead of like hitting light switches because like we were always like when you're doing demo, you're exposing wires and stuff like that, so. You want to make sure that the, the that the main power is off just just in case. So we we went in and uh, and just went went down into the basement and then went to the farthest part from any speck of light that could kind of get there. And we just like sat there and first n- none of us were smokers, but one of us had cigarettes and we just sat there in the pitch black and just like smoked cigarettes and and just drank beer for like three hours at like two in the morning. Yeah, it was it was good fun. It, like start starting a business with 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 a bunch of guys is is just it's a, it was an absolute riot uh, at at the time. It was it was just such a whirlwind of um, that. There's there's a lot of stories about just how craft breweries start, and it's it's usually a, a couple of friends, and, and you kind of start like buy some small tanks and like grow it up and stuff like that. But we kind of went in and sort of and just jumped off the deep end when it when it came to uh the the renovations of the building like we were we were more more of a construction company for the first year and a half of of our brewery than we were an actual brewery right like that's what the majority of the work was starting our brewery it was construction so a lot of that was just um a, a lot of yeah just a lot of drinking breaking stuff and then and then hiring somebody to put it all back together when it was time to actually build it i love it yeah, it sounds like it would be a, a drink fest, really. What else are you supposed to do? Like, you have to just be getting drunk and, and yeah. dealing with it. You're putting, like you said, life savings into this venture that, you know, at the time, there's actually, what was it? You said 2016 or 2015? Uh, so we, we, we bought, what was the year? We, we, we got the keys to the building in August of 2014. No. August of 2013. Oh. <laughs> August of 2014. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Got the keys August of 2014. And then Renault's 
uh, for almost a full year and opened uh, two weeks before Labor Day of like so August. Okay. So then even back then, yeah. it, was, it was a bit more of a risk. I mean, craft beer was starting to pick up pretty, pretty strong, but yeah. I feel like it wasn't where it was at today. So you were ahead of the game, so I can imagine the, uh, you know. Yeah, we were we were like the hundred and fifty fifth brewery or something like that 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 opened up in Ontario back okay. in twenty fifteen. So I, I remember there, there was a website that that kind of kept track of that stuff. I, I forget what it was called, but um, uh, yeah. So at at the time, they, they kind of kept track of like, oh, these breweries are are in the planning stage. These breweries are opened and and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, yeah, so. And then now, what, what what is it in Ontario? Like over four hundred and fifty or something like that. Over four hundred for sure. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. It's nuts. So crazy. Like wow. we're we're one of the old breweries now. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> I didn't realize yeah. you got. I thought when I think of you guys, I guess I think of when I discovered like this bad boy, which would have been twenty eighteen, according to Antarctia. Uh, so I guess I didn't look into before then. So yeah, I feel like, you know, I never thought of you guys as one of the older ones, even though old means 2015, but like that's, it's, it's definitely, uh, uh, it's in, when you put it in that context, when now there's like three X in the province, what, how many there were when they were, what's that like six years ago? That's pretty crazy. It's a, it's a whole yeah. era. Yeah. It's nuts. Um, yeah. And like I said, we, we held off on sort of wider distribution, outside of like the Kitchener, Waterloo, Guelph area for okay. a good three years. Why was um, that? We, we didn't have a ton of tank space. Okay. Um, so whatever we were making, we were, um, we were, we were still figuring stuff out, right? We were trying to figure out how to actually make beer in, in any sort of reasonable volume. So to, to think about at like trying to give beer to the bar down the street, and then sell it out of the fridge. Um, taking on the LCBO was was a big thing, and we didn't really need to do it because we were kind of maxing everything out within a twenty minute drive, right? So, um, yeah. So, so it was it was a good two and a half years, three years before we we really got into the, to a wider distribution model. And, and even even back then, um, I, I don't know where how you would have gotten Borealis from, from an LCBO in, in uh, this in is Toronto almost for sure. It was Toronto. Like my girlfriend's mom. Oh yeah. Lives okay. near, okay, um, oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I live in Montreal, but uh, my girlfriend's, my brother lives in the East end and my girlfriend's mom lives near Fairview mall type of area, in North York. So like, okay. I, I know I would sort of frequent LCBOs around there before the pandemic. We're usually in Toronto like every month. So whenever I went there, I would always swing past LCBOs and all that type of stuff and scrap interesting shit and bring it back. So I definitely would have been yeah. around then. Were you? I, I imagine unless I'm completely bullshitting you and I got it, I was somewhere out closer to you guys and grabbed it. But back then, do you think you were distributing further? We might have started going into Toronto around then. Um, we we started we started pretty pretty slow. So yeah, maybe it was early twenty seven, early to mid twenty seventeen that we started in the LCBO, okay. and then in twenty eighteen we started dipping our feet into into Toronto. We were always sort of warned that like oh Toronto's like this scary place and like that's where 
where breweries go to get lost <laughs> and, and stuff like that. But um, like we, we've done fairly well in in the city um, yeah. at at the LCBOs and then and then some some beer bars and stuff like that. But, I love it. Uh, beer and a buzz. I was just saying, had no idea that you guys were around this long either. So it's not just me. At least. <laughs> yeah. Just me. Um, okay. Good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Oh, hang on. He, he, we're we're old, but we act young. Oh, but then he goes. They were probably at cast days when Sam got arrested for peeing in the hole. Potentially. <laughs> yeah, I imagine he's talking about Sam from Soda City. Potentially. Yeah, I think so. Oh. I think so. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Sam is a wild man. I was at the very first cast days ever. I've never been there since, but I've only been to the very first oh. one where there was twenty casks on the patio of Volo on um, Young. And I was like, what the fuck is this? This is flat, warm beer. This is trash. <laughs> and I never went again. Yeah. <laughs> when, when was that? When it, was the first one? I think my guess was 2011 or 2012. Uh, okay, of, yeah. One of the two. Yeah. It's a very like specific type and style, uh, serving style of beer. So it's, I mean... Yeah. Uh, the Welly Welly's done the cast fest for a, for a bunch of years, and it, it is it is great fun. But after a while, you just everyone just walking around looking for a, a carbonated cold carbonated. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like you guys got the best of it because you guys are over there. Yeah. In, in the, sorry, and John. I, 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 oh no, sorry. I, I was just going to say, and and even. Uh, I I feel I feel like cask gets such a bad name over here too because. Like living in England, it's just it's it's just yeah. like spectacular way of drinking beer, right. especially I think I think North England as well. Like so, even within England, the way the way that they serve cask ale is like differs based on sort of where in the country you are. So in the north, so it's kind of like there's there's a line and a half. In the north, they have a little aeration tip on all the cask pulls, and uh, and then in the south, like they don't have it on. So the, sure. the aeration like obviously puts a lot of air into the beer and, and makes it a little bit more effervescent. And it's definitely a little bit more uh, flat when, when you're down in, in London, but interesting, but Oh my gosh, like go, go to, go to North England and, and have like a, a proper uh, hand pulled cast scale where, where all the bars are actually cold. So that the cast beer is just Correct. in this actual <laughs> dungy cellar. And, and it's, it's, it's a game changer. Everyone. Right. And Sorry, dude. Go for it. I was just saying. I, th- I think a lot of people. I think a lot of places maybe around here don't really do it right. It's not like like John is saying that there's the, there's that tradition and the history of it. And I think we, uh, a lot of places say or bar might say, "Oh, we'll grab a cask and then they just serve a cask." But um, you know, there's few places. I, I can only think of maybe two or three places that I've uh, uh, that I've been at that serve cask ale that have kind of done it right um, around here, and, and I mean doing it right for as far as I know. I haven't been to, I haven't been to England. Um, um, one, one of those places being like the, the Woolly in, in Guelph and they've always kind of have, I mean, when in regular times, they always have like two cask beers on and, uh, and I'm sure there's a, there's a couple of places in Toronto that, that do it as well. But uh, the, uh, a lot of times, you know, uh, I think it kind of gets, it gets bad rap for that too. Yeah, and it could just be that, like, it's one of the – sometimes the experience is a part of the deal. 
So if you if you haven't tried it there, like you were just sort of saying, John, like if you don't go to England and try it, because this is not the first time I've heard it from a brewery owner or a head brewer or something like that. People that like, I'm like, if they tell me, I'm like, all right, I trust you. I've heard it like at least half a dozen times. So I'm like, okay. I remember when I was first, I lived in Toronto in 2004. Uh, I did like the, the working holiday visa. And then I traveled around um, Canada and the States and went to the UK and did the Europe thing. And I remember being at a pub. My cousin lived in Manchester. So I went to visit her and we went to a pub to do trivia as they do. And they, they had the John Smith, like the bitter. And I believe it was on cask. I remember taking like three sips. I'm like, no, please someone else. Drink this. <laughs> and I think, you know, I think it was just, I didn't appreciate it. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I think if now knowing what I know about beer, you know, you start, I started just like you guys, Mill Street and Bose and all that. Then you go through the Ambers and Browns and Porters and then to the Belgians and then, you know, then that, the trend and haze and s- smoothies and pastry stouts, all this crazy shit. Then you come back to the lagers again where you're about that. And I feel like I would appreciate it now. Whereas before it would just would have been lost on me completely. So I'm, I'm, I, uh, I'm not against I, I, it. If, if if you go back to Manchester, I still don't think you should have a John Smith's. <laughs> Is that like a macro? I imagine it's a macro, right? It, it's it's like a it's like a macro brewery that that also does, well no it, it's not really macro it, in terms of size. I would say that they're like they'd probably be like a Great Lakes in terms of like Same size, size okay. to to region. Um, yeah. Because yeah, they're 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 widely distributed, but like they're not like they're not a crazy massive brewery or anything like that. And and obviously the logistics of of the UK and getting a, a keg of or a cask of beer from north of England to anywhere else is is way different than than getting a cask from even Ottawa to Toronto. Right? It's right. it's it's a two and a half hour drive to go from Leeds which is far north to, to London or maybe, maybe it's like three hours, but, but even still like that's, that's still like a delivery day. If, if you really want to be your delivery driver. Totally. Yeah. It's a different kind of vibe, but it's, it's fascinating that it's a whole, the whole cost thing. Maybe that's one of the trends that will come back eventually. It seems like a lot of people are into it. So, I mean, it might come back. Never know. Um, Beer and a Bose is saying he guesses I'm not ordering a Wellies cask in a box. Probably not, but uh, <laughs> maybe eventually. Uh, granite do a cask in a – what's cask in a box? Is it is it like people sell like a physical cask? Can you grab the next one? Um, I imagine we're going to do Shine next too, by the way. Sure. Yeah, we can do Shine or, or, um, or oh, we can do uh, the Australis because Australis is kind of uh, the, the big brother to Allura, the Borealis. I don't think I have that. I think I, I had one can. Oh, you don't have that one? Okay. No. I have... Oh, I um, see, I see. Yeah. I see shine. We can do that. I had... I think I had one can of it, but I think that was before we decided what we were going to do for this evening. Uh, I see it. Yeah. So this one's cool. I'm, I'm here for it. The Australis was fucking so good. Um, tell us about this one, guys. This is a uh, six... Six? Six percent... New England IPA, New England style, I imagine. I didn't even look at it. Yeah, New England style. Um, there we go. Yeah, we just call it IPA, but it's kind of. Of course. What's the uh, hops in this one? So this one is um, the primarily Mosaic, uh, Simcoe are the main kind of hops in this one. 
So a bit more, a little more on the, the dank side. Um, we do actually use a bit of, um, of locally grown uh, hops in this one, um, a okay. little bit of Cascade as well. Um, and it's actually a guy who just grows hops outside of Alora, and he's a, he's a, a fellow Aussie, and he's a, he's a great guy, Dean. And, um, and I mean, we, we like him a lot, and we like his hops, and so we got a bit of his hops in, uh, in this beer too. There's an Aussie hop farmer here? That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Good for yeah, him. We'll have to, when you come down for a visit, we'll have to uh, we'll have to hook you up. Yeah, man, that's awesome. I love to hear that. That makes me yeah. happy as well. I know we. Uh, Dean's, uh, go. I was just say Dean, Dean's a great guy. I think you guys. Uh, I think you guys would hit it off. Do you know where he's from? Uh, John, you probably know him a bit better than I do. Do you know where, where he's from? I do not. <laughs> I always find that like people when I ask him, hey, my friend's from Australia. I'm like, oh, where are they from? I'm like, uh, Sydney. <laughs> well, it's, it's, like asking, uh, it's asking like, do you know Greg from Canada? Dead ass. People do that all the time. Oh, I got a funny story. I got two funny stories about that. Okay. To compare it. One time when I did that 2004 thing, I was in a bathroom in Las Vegas and I was taking a piss and a dude next to me said something to me and I responded back. He's like, oh, where are you from? I'm from Australia. And he's like, do you know Steve Owen? I'm like, yeah, he's my uncle. He's like, really? Like, he believed me. That was pretty good. <laughs> but even funnier, that one was mildly funny. This was crazy. So you know how exactly what you just said, oh, do you know James or whatever? So Tiffany, my girlfriend, and the producer of the show, her best friend, Chanel, for some, you know, we've been together 10 years. I'm from Australia. I live here. Her friend, Chanel, also from Toronto, she ended up meeting a guy from Melbourne and then she moved to Melbourne, which is quite funny. They've sort of done the opposite. And she was in a bar in Melbourne and she was talking to this dude and um, they were talking and he was sort of, oh yeah, my friends live in Canada. Do you know Craig? And she's like, oh, Craig, my brother's name's Brad. She's like, do you know Craig and Brad? He's like, yeah. She's like, yeah, I do. <laughs> and it was my friend Angus <laughs> who had really stayed good. with me here. I'd known him for years. And he happened to live in the same area that she did. And they're both like big talkers. So I'm not surprised they were talking to each other at a bar. And it was one of those stupid occasions where someone was like, do you know these people? And they knew us. It was, that is so like, I blew That's my awesome. mind that of all there's 27 million people in Australia. And the fact that yeah. they're into a bar and happen to talk to somebody from there. So it can it's happen. Small world, yeah. It can happen. Um, Okay, sorry, I forgot to ask you again. Let me just write, I want to make sure I write this down. This has Mosaic, Simcoe, and a bit of Cascade, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I love it. Um, now, so being this, uh, the other one is 5.1, this is 6. So it's kind of like, is this like a, would you consider it a ramped up version of uh, Borealis? Or is it um, a, a different kind of thing you're aiming for? No, uh, that's what we're kind of talking about with the, with the Australis. The Australis is kind of like the ramped up uh, version of uh, Borealis and made with uh, Aussie hops. Okay. Um, the Shine is kind of, so yeah, when I, when I s- kind of, right before I started, Shine was kind of like a, a bit of a, a series where it had uh, different um, different hops kind of uh, every batch, but then I got it, we got it on LCBO list, listing. So um, we kind of just um, um, uh, picked, uh, um, picked kind of the, the version of it that we liked and just kind of release it uh, to, uh, wider to the 
to the public uh, across Ontario. And um, um, we're going to kind of get back into that uh, kind of that bit of a series with kind of um, with uh, different hops, kind of uh, rotating hop series IPA again. But um, yeah, we kind of just like, um, and this is kind of like, I guess this is kind of my first project at the, at the brewery is kind of um, kind of get this beer going. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun. We've kind of just been, uh, you know, make, developing it, making making little tweaks, and kind of just um, it, it is pretty. I mean, as per the uh, the guy was asking me for, it is pretty. It is pretty sessionable. I think for six percent, mm. it doesn't kind of. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty soft. Um, we want it to be like really soft, really kind of um, uh, really drinkable. Because at the end of the day, like I mean, I, 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 we want to make beer that you want to sit down and have uh, two or three of kind of thing, and that's kind of uh, where we're going with this one. Definitely getting that. The mouthfeel is the first thing that's grabbing me. It's very similar to the Borealis. It's um, super smooth, really soft. It's a great word for it. Um, I imagine is that that mouthfeel is really the water that we were talking about earlier. I imagine. Yeah, and the water. I mean, the, the um, we, we we do put a lot of oats and, and wheat in this beer, and that kind of give it that soft, especially the oats, give it that that uh, that softness. Mm. Um, and that sort of thing, and then uh, yeah, as, as as well the as well the water, and yeah, I'm just bring it to like the New England style, yeah. um, and and uh, just kind of you know giving it that, giving it trying to give it a really good good body, and um, at the same time finishing dried, kind of like I guess like the, the borealis, and uh, making it you know nice and sessionable. Love it. Now this is solid, guys. Super consistent. I'm definitely seeing now uh, having. I mean, these two right now and, and the ones I've had in the past have definitely had a, a super, um, I get consistent is probably the word with the mouthfeel specifically. Like it's, I think that really, it's really, that's where it sort of starts. I think with a lot of New England IPAs mm-hmm. that you really want that, that mouthfeel is kind of the hardest part, I think to nail. So you guys have done exceptionally. Oh, well. absolutely. And, and I mean, being to Vermont, I'm not sure if, you guys have been to Vermont, but it was kind of the first time I went there. Yeah. Just, just blew me away. It just blew me away. You just go into like some dive bar in the middle of nowhere, and they have incredible beers. Like, so the Amazing. beers, are, the IPAs were just were just so good. So I mean, anyone who hasn't hasn't been there, you got, um, when we're you know allowed to go places again, that's definitely a must go place. And it's like you know, it's not it's a uh, not too far from uh, from Ontario too. So you can kind of drive there in a day and. And see a lot. You can get a lot of good beer. Oh yeah, I feel like uh, since I moved here, because it's forty-five minutes from here to the border, it's about two hours flat to Burlington. Um, we've been like, I had to do it for it because I applied for citizenship, so I actually had to mark every single time I left the country. So I've been twelve times for Vermont, and because it's right there. Um, and I always find that the Ontario folks have most people I know haven't been because it's almost like it's. You got to drive. It's probably like what tops, maybe seven to eight hours, I guess, all the way there. When mm-hmm. maybe you could just do that hour and a half and go to Buffalo and Rochester, which, to be fair, it used to suck, but now they're killing it. Rochester has yep. other half yep. and stuff now, so it's. I can understand right. that, like, it's maybe people might not always make that trip. Where for us, it's super like it's as close as. Excuse me. It's as close as going to Ottawa for for us here. Yeah, good call. Eight, I feel like an, an eight-hour drive is like a bit of a black hole of, of travel time, right? Because it's like it's almost too short of a it, it's almost too short of a flight to, to take. Yeah, but it's too long of a drive, so it's like <laughs> it's, it's 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 kind like, of like which one do you choose? 
So well, the only you're, yeah, man, you make a really good point. I think the only way to justify that in the before times, anyway, was if you say if you're coming from Ontario, like Toronto, uh, you know, kind of Guelph Kitchen where you guys are at. Um, you'd have to at least do probably Montreal and then go down. So you do Montreal for a couple of days and check that out. And then you could justify it. You'd have to do like a four or five day trip and kind of like stop along the way. And then, cause then it's like five and a half hours, I think usually from Montreal to Toronto, if you just zip it down. So it's oh, not yeah, yeah. so yeah. bad and everything in Vermont's pretty easy. Yeah. That was what we always say. It was always, I dare you to find a ship beer in Vermont. Like I dare you to go. Oh, somewhere. I know. Right. Yeah. It's annoying to me because when we come back here, I find that, do you know what? In, in hindsight, Ontario is doing better than Quebec as far as better beer at any given venue. So I'm such a snobby piece of shit now that I only go to places with good beer. Like it's very important to me. But I know, you know, sometimes yeah, you just end up somewhere at, you know, you're out for dinner or whatever. And um, you could you could be somewhere that just has like the the Labatt list or something like that. Like it's got nothing. And that doesn't, that happens much less frequently in my opinion in Ontario than it does here. I feel like we have a bit more work to do there. So I'm, I'm impressed with how Ontario is sort of like picking up on it. Obviously the whole country has a lot more work to do compared to, um, to the States, but that's not a fair comparison because they're always ahead of the game. Those bastards. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah, It it takes time. And I mean, you're right though. It it is, we're, we're getting there. Uh, slowly but surely I mean you think about like five years ago it's not that long ago but it's a long time ago in the the beer world for um, for you know going out to a going out to a bar and, and getting good beer and then you know you look at 10 years ago like what were we what were we drinking 10 years ago kind of thing right so yeah. it's kind of it's come a long way yeah it really has um, Dave ten, ten, 10 years ago is, is kind of starting to sort of be when when we started drinking beer right so it's it's actually kind of like creeping up on that time where we're ten years ago for us. It feels like when, when we say ten years ago, it's like it seems like a long time ago. But it's but in the grand scheme of things, it's not that long ago. <laughs> it's kind of scary. how old are you again? <laughs> Me, I'm I'm, I'm thirty five. Yeah. So th- this is like totally off topic, but sort of like sort of at that age where like I start reminiscing. We've been like reminiscing like a lot with our friends and stuff like that. And so like the albums that we would like listen to as kids. So like no effects, punk and drublick came out in '94, which is like 27 years ago. And when we were listening to that, Led Zeppelin was closer to that than we are to like going backwards to where no effects was. So like when, when we were sort of like, oh, Led Zeppelin was like so long ago. That was like 15 years before, right? So like now we're looking oh, yeah. back at yeah. like no effects being like a 30, they, they've been around for like yeah. 35 years, 40 years. So yeah. That's a that's an interesting point. I'm I just turned forty, so I'm a little bit older than you guys. But yeah. same thing. I'm a hip hop dude, not a punk dude. But '94 was yeah. one of the golden years of hip hop. Some of the best albums yeah. came out that year. I never really thought about that. that like where like that's closer to the '70s than it is to now. That's that's actually crazy. Yeah. Right. Wild, so like yeah. you, you would sort of be listening to sort of like what your parents would listen to, and you're like, oh my god, that was so long ago. But yeah. now when you sort of look back, you're just like, whoop. Yeah, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like 27 years ago or, no. or 30 years ago, right? What's interesting about, I don't know if you guys have kids or anything. I, yeah. do, I don't. But Tiffany's uh, Gen Z cousin, he's 20, just turned 23. He moved from England and he lives in our building and he works for our, we have a social media agency. So he works for us. So 
he's fascinating to talk to, man. Like, because in my mind, like, I'm not much older than him. But really, I'm old enough to be his dad. And I don't realize that. And I say things, some things to him or he says some shit. Like, what are you talking about? This was like, like, how do you not know this? And I'm just like, oh, fuck, he's like born when I finished high school. And it's always a trip to me when you actually, you know, I feel like maybe you guys, you have kids and you maybe have a frame of reference, but because I'm not around younger people than us, really, often, being around a 23-year-old, it's just tripped me out. I'm teaching him about beer, which is dope, and he's loving it. So I'm just like, all right, you know, obviously I'm always having stuff. So I'm like, try this, try this, try this. He's, he's, he's loving it. But it's just interesting to hear the perspectives of someone like that while I'm talking about some music. Like he knows the words to like some NWA stuff, which is from like 1988, when he was born in 98. I'm like, oh, that's kind of impressive. Cause I don't know how much, <laughs> yeah. you, you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's, a, like, it's like us listening to like Tom Petty or something like that. Yeah. And like loving it, which could possibly <laughs> happen. I'm sure we all did listen to stuff before our time, but like, it's just funnier seeing the kids do it. And like, I saw a comedian the other night and he was sort of like, talk, he said he was talking to some, he was a little bit older than me. And he was sort of like talking to someone just, you know, in the twenties and giving them references and they're like, yeah, dude, I wasn't alive for that. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm your age. Like, and I, and I was like, yo, I relate to that. Like, I actually feel the same. I don't feel old. But when you just yeah. put it like that, the 94 was 27 years ago. I'm like, Jesus Christ. That's Yeah. I, I feel like th- this this age range right now that, that we're kind of in, like the 35 to like 45, like it's, it's definitely a mind fuck where you still <laughs> feel pretty long, pretty young and you, you can still – move without hurting too much but i, I it, it's, it's gonna be funny when i I'm, I'm hoping that i still feel this way when i'm i'm 50 where i'm still like jiving around just like yeah like a 20 year old kid and just be like i can still do a kickflip <laughs> yeah i wonder that like you know how you see the parents you think your parents and they're all like what are you listening to like i don't want to be that dude ever because that's whack as hell to be like to not understand so i wonder yeah, if you notice you're not I'm, even gonna notice. It's just gonna happen. It's just gonna that's happen. that's what I'm worried about, dude. I don't want that. Like, <laughs> I don't want to be that old dude. My parents took my music off me because you know hip hop had a lot of. I know, like, No Effects was pretty fucked up back in the day, but like the rap stuff was a little more aggressive and obvious about the yeah. cussing. So they hear me playing it, like, "Hey, you're 13. Let me take this off you." And um, I don't want to be that dude. I want to understand what's going on. So I'm like. Uh, you know, just it's. I think I feel like you are correct. It's such a weird time where you don't know that you're getting old, and you kind of don't feel yeah. it until you speak. I'm like, oh yeah, shit. Like, yeah, maybe I am old now. I'm a bit washed. It's so, like, I, I think I think the the one thing that we can kind of all hope for is that we turn out like fashion Santa, and we're just old, but kind of still like really kick it with the young kids. You know so who we, Fashion Santa is, by the way? Oh, yes, I yeah. do. Exactly. The guy yeah. from like Yorkdale or whatever. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he's cool. He's, he's got cool a fade. Well, so. He's got yeah. the big beard. He's, he's, yeah. The young kids <laughs> love him. They love him. Maybe the episode should be called Fashion Santa. <laughs> you should get him on too. I wonder if he's a beer drinker. Yo, I mean, he looks like a hipster. I feel like he, he definitely would, would enjoy a single hop. IPA. That's probably all. <laughs> That's probably all, though. Just Idaho Seven. <laughs> Just only Idaho Seven. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, speaking of like, hops, Dave, yeah. like, aren't there, there's some new hops that that we're going to be using soon that are like 
like, I feel like Idaho Seven is a bit of a weird hop name, but are, aren't we doing like, and what were the new hops that we're using? Like they're like MD. Oh uh, yeah, we just ordered uh, HBC Six Thirty is one that we just mm. ordered to try out in an IPA, as well as I think we're gonna, we're talking about Brew One. Yes, another good one. Um, so I haven't, haven't used either of those hops. We yeah, haven't used either of them before, but I'm excited to uh, excited to try them out. I've had a couple of beers with both of those um, and killer. But do you know what would be interesting? I feel like a, like a single hop or something. Like, are you guys going to try like a single hop to try and really see the expressiveness of those hops? Or are you going to kind of melange them up? Yeah, I think kind of anything is on the table. Like, I think um, um, for the size of batches we're doing, like we like to kind of use like only like like full bags. So we don't like that. When you're, especially when you're dry hopping, we want the hops to be as fresh as possible. So we have like a five kilo bag you know so it's like yeah i mean the, the option is there like to uh to do like yeah one or one or two hops but i mean a single hop is um is cool too like i think certain hops from my experience like certain hops you, you need the right hop to kind of be a good single hop sometimes they you know having having the pairing for, for certain hops can can go a long way but i mean uh it is really the best way to kind of understand understand that hop and understand what it's doing in your beer so we, we did a uh we, we did a, a version of shine um a while ago where it, it was supposed to sort of just be before it got picked up at the lcbo it was supposed to be a rotating hop is that with african queen and southern passion yeah and so that so nice. um the guys at at uh, i think it was scott labs like a, a hop supplier they, they got their their hands on a bunch of the african hops Cool, and they they were the ones that sort of recommended to to pair those two together because they kind of complemented each other. So um, th- there's a guy that that we sort of um, that we have one of our hop contracts with, and and he's really good at, at kind of um, recommending pairings and stuff. So um, yeah, it's, it's it's definitely interesting to to kind of do the the one off hops um, or just just single hops, but um, it's it's also fun to just like dig right in sometimes and just, just kind of like pair up based, uh, based on sort of recommendations from people that really know the hops best, I think. How would you guys typically explore that? Like, would you say, say you've got these two new hops, like, do you try, like, how do you decide what to pair them with? Is it just sort of like advice from people who've used them or do you just kind of like, is there like you do the rub thing and like, what's the way you guys would go about figuring that out? Yeah, sometimes we just, you know, it's obviously like there's so many beers out there with different hops that we like to, tr- that we'll pick up this and, and pick up that. And then, and like like John said, we're working, uh, we work with uh, Bob there at Hop Connect, who's, uh, who's a great guy. He's always got a million suggestions. So we, um, I mean, I like taking suggestions from him because he's, uh, he, he's, he's working, he's working in hops and, and he kind of knows what, what works together. And, and then, you know, it's kind of, I mean, you think about it in different ways. You can think about it. I mean, how you might think about pairing like food with beer. You can kind of have like some contrast. You can have uh, two things kind of working together. So we kind of mm. pick a route we'd, we'd like to go. Um, and so I think um, what's a, one of the next kind of one-off IPAs we're talking about, kind of get, getting a little bit of, of a hop that is going to provide some like red berry um, and that sort of thing, mixing it with a bit of more of a, a stone fruit and just kind of seeing what we can do because there's, there's a, a world of com, uh, 
of uh, complexity that we can kind of create from create from that. That um, um, you know, like in, and like I said, like some hops, yeah, they're great on their own, but some hops paired with you know uh, two or three different kind of varieties, uh, you can really kind of accomplish a lot and kind of uh, um, yeah, just just kind of create something really kind of unique and. Um, and so, and, and a lot of it is kind of ex experimenting. We're not doing, you know, our, our smallest batches are typically like a thousand liters. So, um, you know, we, we have some, you know, some, some certainty going into it of what we want to get out of it. And I mean, never, sometimes never using these hops before. Um, sometimes we're pleasantly surprised and sometimes we're like, okay, well, maybe we'll, we'll try something different the next time. So it's kind of, there is that, that element of, uh, of experimentation still with it, which is, I mean, it keeps it exciting for us too, because, um, there's so many hop, there's so many hop varieties, yeah. uh, and it's really cool, really cool. And we did, and we did one recently with like some like more of like citrusy kind of German hops, um, uh, and stuff like that. And it's, it's cool. It's, um, it's, you, you see like some of these hop varieties that are, you know, the same kind of hop growing, uh, in different parts of the world. And, the different flavors that, that they create. It's really neat. I love that. That's dope. That's a, that's a good way to approach it. I think, you know, just test it out. Um, beer and a just said you aren't old until you want the Velcro shoes. That's actually pretty funny. I love that. <laughs> so we keep that in mind, but like with, with that sort of, um, that, that, like you said, like whether it's contrasting or, or like, you know, the, um, you know, flavors that work well together, that ties into your kitchen that we haven't really spoken about uh, a lot yet. Do you guys want to maybe like expand a little bit on what's going on there? Like you said, you had such a large space that you, you know, you took a part of it and turned that into a kitchen. And I know that, you know, you've got a super active, uh, you know, head chef who's, uh, you know, on Instagram, he's super keen. Like, I love that. Well, you got a passionate team about what you're doing. Tell us a bit more about like, yeah, like what happened with the kitchen and, and what sort of stuff you guys are, are doing out of there and how that pairs with the beers and stuff. Yeah. Um, running a restaurant's just, it's, it's definitely a bit of a, it's, it's a blessing and a curse. Like it's, it's such a forward facing thing. Um, and such an intimate thing for people. Um, you always, whether it's, whether it's a social atmosphere or, or if you're like a foodie and, and all that kind of stuff, there's sharing a meal with, with somebody and, and people is, is definitely one of the most intimate and sort of engaging things that, that you can do. Right. Mm -hmm. So there, there's, there's a lot at stake and it can go really well or it can go really bad. Um, and the, the pandemic definitely kind of, it's, it's been so long now since it, since we sort of like operated it the way that it should be operated. Right. Like all the way back to, to 2019. So we, we had some, um, a little bit of uh, turnover in the kitchen. Like it, it's been really hard to to keep people around when you keep just getting slapped around mm -hmm. by uh, uh, lockdowns and stuff like that. But so Ryan's Ryan's uh, Ryan Goodfellow. He's he's a new chef in the kitchen, and he's he's got really good and he, he's got a really good story. And like he's he's an interesting guy. Um, he loves local food. Like he's got like a genuine passion the way that, that um, like Dave would sort of talk about beer and, and kind of like just if, if you just kind of like put your mic on mute and ask Dave to talk about water, I'm, I'm sure you could fill up. Like four hours. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's not a slight, but 
Um, but th- that that's those, those will be like, those will be the uh, the cuts for afterwards. <laughs> we do a whole yeah. series, a whole season just on yeah. water. Water with Dave. Yeah. <laughs> water Dave. Ooh. Um, you can think about changing the handle, brother. <laughs> yeah, just, just uh, yeah, Instagram of like just pictures of water. Um, but you, you sort of come across people uh, every once in a while, and, and they're hard to find. And you feel super lucky when when you sort of find them, where they're like genuine, down to earth, good people, and they have just a love for what they do and the finer, kind of smaller details of of what they do, right? Like. We've, uh, we've sort of like worked with uh, some chefs in the past where it's like they can, they can make food, but there, there's no like soul to it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think what, what Ryan's kind of brought to the table is sort of that soul and like a genuine love for, for, uh, for cooking. That's, um, that's really important and something that you can sort of build a story and a narrative from uh, where people can kind of sort of latch onto that. And, and that, that's a really important thing to, I think, who we are as a brewery. And I, I, I don't know if this is like to our detriment sometimes or, or if, if people sort of uh, really love it and like really grab onto it. But sort of like tying so much of, of sort of what we do with um, sort of like our, our personal stories, like it's, it's really important. And it, it makes like a good place to sort of be a part of uh, on like a, on a micro level. But sometimes like it's hard to, I, I guess, uh, like market that and stuff like that, right? Like it's, it's hard to tell that story unless you can kind of get people into the restaurant and kind of show them what you do and like put a beer in their hands and, and tell them about the story and tell them about the chef and like see those bean sprouts. Like we went out and like we, we picked those or something. Like I, bean sprouts is a bad example. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but like see that thing on the plate, like uh, like the, the pork that you're eating, like uh, – we the, uh, we work with a farmer who takes our spent grain, mm. um, feeds it to his pigs, and then he sells us the uh, the pork to uh, to cook up, and that's sort of how it's on on your plate. So there, there's a really intimate aspect of of the restaurant, and and like I keep and like I said, like it it, it takes a lot to um, it takes a lot of focus and and and, and energy, but when, when it's going and it's going well, it's it's such a beautiful thing, and and uh, <coughs> And yeah, like Ryan, I, I'm, we're really excited to kind of have him in the, in the kitchen because he can, he can definitely sort of help us, uh, build on that story in, in the same way, uh, that, that, uh, we can kind of like build those stories around, around Dave and, and let, let him out of the back of the brewery sometimes and, and talk about, about beer and water and just, just share, <laughs> and water <laughs> and share his passion. And, and that, that's, that's like really where, um, the, the restaurant and like the building uh, kind of come into our story. And it, it's, it's sort of, it's, it's the base of everything that we've kind of done. And I, I love, I love sharing it with people. Like we do, we do uh, concerts and stuff like that at, at the brewery. Um, we work with the guys that, that do uh, Riverfest in Alora. So Riverfest for anybody that doesn't know is, is a, is a music, is a three day music festival. That, that happens in Allure every year. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's about like 5,000 people every day that kind of, that are, that are in there. And we, uh, there, there's been some really sweet acts over the years, but working with them allows us to, to get uh, and sort of punch over um, 
our weight class when it comes to the musicians that we've been able to have in the in our brewery. Um, for for concerts, our our max capacity is 135 people, and uh, we've had some outstanding Canadian artists come through the building, and uh, and uh, like a Montreal band, uh, the Planet Smashers, like they they play here all the time. They're they're like a I don't know if, if you know who they are, Craig. They're uh, they're like an old school ska band from Montreal, and they're all sort of uh, like working dads now. And, uh, and so once or twice a year, they sort of just like hop on the 401 and then just like hit a bunch of cities down the 401 and then just, and then just drive home. And, and we've been lucky enough to sort of get them to come in every year. They, they love playing the brewery and, uh, and that, that, that's always a party. And, and, and it's, it's crazy how much some, sometimes like admittedly, I'd, I'd sort of take that stuff for granted, um, sort of having that much going on at the brewery it's like it's a lot to sort of take in but there's a lot of passionate people sort of that we've surrounded ourselves with and who want to sort of be involved with us and i feel super lucky and super grateful about about all that um but i i really miss that that sort of that that thing that that we can share with people it's it's just uh it's it's been hard finding like that that kind of like drive Mm -hmm. sometimes over the over the pandemic I'm sure sort of everybody kind of like feels, feels that way. Right. Just not being able to um, kind of engage with those things that, that have culturally always been so important to us, whether or not we really realize how important those, those things are. Right. Like there's the interactions that you kind of have with your, your friends at home and stuff, but like going out and sort of being within this space with energy, Mm. like you can't, so that's some like that, that's that's not something that that you can sort of really buy or or it's kind of hard to explain. Like you got to be in a place at at a time. Like that that's sort of like the best way that I can kind of paint a picture of of what we've sort of done with that space and and what we what we try to do and and what kind of makes me miss normalcy the most. Yeah, man, it's a good point because sometimes I feel like ah, oh, I didn't really miss that much stuff. Everything's pretty chill, but I feel like you realize when you go to a show and you're in a room with 500,000 people or whatever, or it could be a hundred people on an intimate show yeah. and you'd be like, Oh fuck man. Like this is, yo, this is crazy. Yeah. And it's kind of annoying because I'm looking at all of my friends in Australia who have been living normally for nine months and yeah. going to 50,000 people at a sports, uh, th- a sports stadium. My friend was sending me photos all weekend from the biggest beer festival in, in Australia. It's called Gap. Great Australian beer spectacular, they call it. And she was there for three days, and there was like a thousand people there. She was sending me the photos. I'm like, fuck. And she's like, ah, wouldn't be surprised if there's a case here. But like, they've been just living pretty normal. They're on lockdown now because they let people in the country, and the people who came in the country gave COVID at the quarantine hotels yeah. to the people working at the uh-huh. hotels. So they've gone and messed up, but they had like single digit, maybe double digit cases, and then they locked down. So, but then they'll, they'll get rid of it quick. So yes, seeing, I didn't think I didn't feel really too either way. Like at first, yeah, but now I'm like, yeah, cool, whatever. I'm used to it. But then when you see them enjoying it, like, oh man, like I want to go to the show, God damn it. So I feel you. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like, uh, Peter Pan where, um, uh, Peter Pan just like went when he's, uh, or maybe it's, it's the movie Hook with Robin Williams. Yeah. yeah, Like he just like goes about his life and his life is fine. 
but you don't really realize what, and then he sort of like forgets about Never Neverland, right? And then you sort of like go back there and like you realize how Yo. fucking awesome it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to so, be. So, yeah, like, it, it, yeah, it, it's kind of easy. Or maybe it's just like a survivable mechanism or something like that, that you sort of just go about your, your business and, and try and do the best. Don't think can, about but, it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't think about it. But, but man, I, I'm just like thinking about it more and more because of like how close we are with like, the vaccinations and stuff like that. Yeah, I guess we'll see. Like I was like, I know every both, I think we're both basically opening up about the same time. And I'm like, I don't know because I'm like, I just don't, we didn't do everything here that Australia and New Zealand did. So vaccinations, cool. Helping it's going to contribute. But whatever the fuck they did, and I don't know exactly what that is because I imagine that's a Trudeau job to call the Australian Prime Minister and be like, yo, what did you do? Can we do that too? And they, they did not do that because they haven't been in lockdown since like September and we are still in lockdown. But yeah, I'm like maybe cautiously optimistic because I guess at some point you have to roll the dice and be like, let's, yeah, I, let's see. I, I think this is just a life, a life lesson in terms of uh, doing stuff half-assed, where if if you if you're like if you go if you go like right down and a lockdown is actually a lockdown, then hey, you just like do the time, and then uh, and then you're out of it and like you're back to normal. But when you sort of just uh, when you half-ass it, like you've kind of done here, not to kind of get into it, but yeah, it's a whole thing. Like <laughs> you kind of you kind you kind of have to swim in it for a lot longer. But, yeah. Yeah. For, for better or worse, but yeah, that's a whole other thing. On a very quick yeah. side note, I'm no need. My camera is flashing, which means I'm going to have to change to webcam soon. So, can we take a thumbnail screenshot just while that one's still going? Basically, okay. I'm going to take. What does that mean? So, I'm going to take a screenshot of the screen, and we use that. I make that into the thumbnail for YouTube. Okay. So I'm going to hold up some beers because I want everyone to know that we're gosh darn drinking a Laura. You can hold up. Some gorgeous cans right here. I'm going to grab them with my hand. Come on, get it, get it. Like I've done this before. There we go. Okay, are you ready? Oh, Dave, put it towards your face more. There you go. There we go. There you go, John. Oh, that was gorgeous. That was gorgeous. I still want to miss out. Look at that. That is stunning. I'm saying that to all your moms. That's beautiful. Um, so the other thing, we're talking about the restaurant. Did you or were you able to um, to like do takeout and stuff like that throughout this time? Yeah. So people can still get. Yeah, we, we can. Yeah, we, we, we do takeout, but um, like 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 I said, like at at the end of the day, like we're not we never sort of set out to be a place that does food for the sake of food and all that kind of stuff. And food to and that's kind of where out. where we're at right now. Yeah, is like it. We're, we're sort of just doing it to to kind of keep keep the wheels turning, but our, our the brewery was always kind of like the place where people go to sort of like engage with like a, like a bigger thing. You know what I mean? Like we always had live music, like it's an awesome space to be in. And like, that's what people sort of really miss the most about the brewery. Like we've always had good food and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it was sort of just part of like the, the bigger picture. So it's, yeah. So like the, the, the takeout foods like done, done all right for us, but um, but it's it's definitely not uh, like kind of taking a place or anything like that. Of course, yeah, it can't possibly. Well, then on the other side, I was going to ask because you are already like you guys were in a good position because prior to all of this, you were already packaging 
beer. There were a lot of breweries that were just straight draft, you know, kegs where they were distributing. So they had to figure out the whole new distribution method, right? You guys at least had a lot of that covered on, uh, you know, previously, which is fantastic. Um, how did that look for you guys? Was it a pretty natural progression because you have SKUs in the LCBO, the law, which no one talked about, God damn it, but the law changed in Ontario where you can have independent bottle shops, which blew, I found that out like a month ago and it blew my mind yeah. and I was actually mad at Ontario <laughs> beer people because no one was talking about it because that's what people were fighting for for years and then all of a sudden everyone's allowed to do it as long as you sell chips. I was like, what the fuck? This yeah. is amazing. Yeah. It, it was kind of a, it was sort of a sneaky thing. So, okay, like going going back to the the start of the pandemic and the sort of packaging. So we were actually like just switching into cans as the pandemic was starting. So like we were like winding down our bottle skew and then ramping up our, our can skew. So gotcha. I remember like the first week or the first couple of weeks that that we were sort of shut down. Like was when we were really starting to get our our first orders of cans in. So like the entire restaurant area was, was full Just, of cans and <laughs> we, we, we don't, we don't have like a, uh, like a huge space, uh, like much warehouse space. So, so Dave just, um, started wheeling pallets like down the bar. And so, so th- there was just like a mountain of cans and you could barely sort of like walk through where people used to sit and like eat food. So that, that was sort of a weird thing, uh, sort of transitioning into cans, but mm. It was it was really good because like our our volumes uh, have definitely gone up. Like our our package sales have, have gone sort of through the roof after going into cans. Um, but yeah, like we were good at and and figured out a while ago how to drive a like package a thing and then put it in a van and take it to a place and how to route and and like why why we kind of drove to certain areas and why we sort of went drive drive to other areas. So we had like a really good. Um, base to sort of build off of. And then we kind of just uh, really mashed over the line um, a, a bottle shop, uh, an online bottle shop, like right off off the bat. And and my God, like I'm, I'm super happy that, that we put an online bottle shop together as, as quick yeah. as we did because um, people, like at the start of the pandemic, like people went fucking ape shit for, <laughs> for online orders. It was nuts. It was nuts. Like we had three three vehicles on the road like every day, uh, as well as a van like packed with with beer orders like every day for like two months straight. That's awesome. And it, it was just it was bonkers. And then, like you were saying, uh, the bottle shops kind of started trickling open a little bit, and it was like I don't, I don't even know how it happened, but but the the government uh, it, it was more I think to let bars and restaurants. Uh, kind of keep making money but like the way that they wrote it out uh sort of and the way that ontario beer laws are just in general are just like the whole friggin' thing is just gray and just smushed right yeah so you can read like three words yeah it doesn't make it doesn't make sense it's it's just rules for sake rules and so when people started figuring out that like that you're allowed to sort of interpret gray smudges into sort of whatever they are, then uh, then they can't really do anything about it, right? So, and that's how the bottle shops started popping up, where mm. it was like these places that that weren't really restaurants before could kind of do this small thing in in the background while they're just like 
slinging beers out the front. <laughs> so it's like this, this thing just, just popped up out of nowhere. And yeah, like nobody, nobody really noticed either. Right. So like these, some smart people mm. read a little bit deeper into the, into the rules and then, and then really went for it. And, and that's how now we have independent bottle shops. They're, they're kind of like convenience stores with, with beer or, or just like takeaway restaurants kind of with beer, but, but whatever the definition of food is for these places. Someone said it has to be just chips. So you're right. It's like, it's vague. Yeah. So I I think the definition is is that it's, it's something, it's something to do with satisfying a craving rather than like an impulse or something like that. So it's like you, as long as it's something that somebody can reasonably get sustenance from, then you can serve beer with it. But so like you, you can't, you can't just sell, um, like candy, I guess. So if, if okay. you can make a case for potato chips, like being able to make somebody survive or something like that, then that that's you can enough. sell them beer too. I mean, I guess that, if, that's that's what it is. Hmm. If they're smart, they'll do it like the Quebec because the Quebec specialty beer stores are fire. You can go in there, oh, you yeah. can get like triple cream brie and like fresh prosciutto and like baguettes that were baked on that morning and like all of that shit. If you can get yeah. that alongside some like you know, natural local wines and, and some, some craft beer, local craft beer, hand, you know, curated, maybe some spirits and stuff like boom, it's a wrap. Like it's, it's what it should have happened a hundred years ago. But, you know, mm-hmm. thanks to these, the laws from the last pandemic, both of our provinces and probably the whole continent, if we're honest, has uh, suffered from that. And they yeah. still never recovered. Growlers were illegal in Quebec, I think until three years ago. Same as cool ships. Oh really? What really? Growlers, bro. Like it's ridiculous. Wow. So like, and you know, just looking at both provinces. This is when we moved here. We couldn't. Believe, we moved here in 2012. I moved to Toronto in 2010. Then we moved to Montreal to keep me in the country in 2012. And when we realized that the park, you could go in the parks and drink. You could just have a pack of chips. Like this is ridiculous. I'm looking around. Like, well, no one's dying. No one's drunk. It's 4 p.m. and everyone's chilling. Like, what's yeah. the big fear about in Ontario? Why yeah. can't they let people just be adults and, and you know, have a drink yeah, in the pub? Yeah, it was the same thing when I was living in the UK, right? Like They do the we same? Just, yeah, we, we, like, my mates and I, like, we just, like, go to the corner store and, the and grab a beer. Yeah, and then, and then just go sit in the park and, and have a beer. And then the world didn't end. Right? Yeah. So what, when I ended up moving <laughs> back to Ontario it was just, it was just so weird and it just felt extra stupid where it's just like, like why, why yeah. do you got to make rules why? just for the sake of making rules? Who's, wh- who are you benefiting? What's, what's going on? It just doesn't make sense. But Let now things live. are, yeah. Yeah. Now, now th- yeah. And like you, you can, you can do that with, yeah, like some parameters, but yeah, the, the world didn't end when, when these bottle shops started popping up and, and they won't, and if people have a beer in the park, so it's just like, get over it. It kind of seems like they're slowly getting past it a bit, which is nice just to see that, like, that's probably one good positive side effect of, of all of this craziness is that, like, a lot of these laws that were around before are being adjusted because of making sure that, like, even from as much as, um, uh, like, a restaurant's allowed to sell a bundle of Smirnoff or some shit, like yeah. with with your with your wings. 
And I'm like, oh, so I can just buy it. And they just sell it at LCBO prices. So no one's getting really like ripped off or anything. It's just all like, why can't I do that? Why can't you yeah. make it? You know, Uber Eats is making money. The restaurants is making money. Like everyone is winning. And then the, the oh, hopefully it wouldn't be a big brand. It would be like Dylan's out of Niagara or like a small, you know, like a craft brewery or a local Niagara winery or something like that's what you can buy. But just the fact, like I, I think here they only, you guys were doing it early. BC were doing it like years ago from what I understood. Um, my friends out there were telling me that. So like, it's, it's almost like it's starting, like, like, you know how like every province has its own, some, you know, like Montreal, you can drink in the park, you can do everything, but Ontario, you can't do shit there. Uh, like, and, and, yeah. you know, but then you guys in Ontario could go and sell all this stuff. And then no, 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 you can't buy a beer when you buy your fries. Like, no, no, no. But like now you know everything's starting to even out a bit. It's nice. You know, I, I think um, once, once weed was legalized and, and mm. the world didn't turn into a bunch of heroin <laughs> addicts immediately after, right? Yeah. But, um, like it, it's not a gateway drug. It doesn't, cause like a, it doesn't cause these societal issues and stuff like that. People just sort of got out of the way. Nothing really changed, right? The dude that always smoked pot is smoking a pot. Like maybe – Maybe your mom tried CBD for the first time and like her elbow stopped hurting. Like, like the, the, the world did not come to an end, right? So, so like, so, so that, that, that sort of mentality where everybody was like, okay, yeah, it's, it's not that bad. Yeah. And so, so now all, all these other laws, a stupid law, when, when we first started, um, we, we wanted to do growlers. But so the, the way that our retail store was kind of set up and the way that um, we, we had to get a liquor license to sell like a full pint, um, we had to have like a restaurant license, right? So half of our building had, had one license and then where we sold beer out of, out of our fridges had another license and uh, most breweries would like fill up growlers on the taps, right? So um, even though we were a brewery that kind of like was able to sort of retail beer right here and then sell pints right here. And then we, um, somebody wasn't allowed to bring a growler into the restaurant to fill it up off the taps. So that's why we never did growlers in the first place. So like the analogy that, that they would use was like, you wouldn't be able to go into like a keg steakhouse with a growler and then take it to their bar and have them fill up the growler. And so, like, that's why, even though you're a, you're a beer retailer, you can't uh, take that, that growler from five feet over there and take it to the taps and right. fill it up. So, so it, it was just, it was, it was dumb stuff like that. Just silly. Yeah. yeah. And so, we, we um, yeah, we, we never ended up doing growlers. And then another funny thing about, about growlers is, like, a lot of breweries here, it was a big thing for a long time. And then a lot of breweries started getting away from it. Just like there's a lot of like maintenance issues when it comes to sort of like cleanliness of, of the, the glass. And, and you, you really don't know sort of how your beer is going to get represented. And when the pandemic started, like everybody went crazy for growlers again, right? Like bars and restaurants when, when they were allowed to start retailing beer, everybody wanted growlers. But it kind of like went like super quick and then now nobody wants to deal with them anymore again because it's too much work it's not you're 100 percent right because you can't clean them the cleanliness thing is a whole thing and some breweries were only taking their own ones back like it had to be branded that place 
And I think that wasn't because they were being picky. That was part of the law. It was just like, it seems like too much of a headache. Who would even watch, yeah, like, I don't know. Do you guys drink? Like, I know maybe it's different because you're both in the industry, but, like, I don't want a growler of anything ever. Like, do you guys, are you guys growler no, guys? I, I can't remember the last time I had a growler of anything. Right. And, like. Yeah. That growlers were kind of, like, the things that, like, friends brought to parties that, like, never ended up going home with you. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, you can one of those big, you know, the big bastards that are like two liters and shit. Like, that's cool for a party. You're right. Because, hey, everyone can have a pour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. That's fun. But like, I don't know. Don't you just want this, like you could have one of these instead of the equivalent of four of these or whatever in the, in the thing. Like, I don't, because that means now I've got 48 hours to drink it. Great. And I have to drink yeah. the same as, beer. As brewers, we don't, we don't really want it do growlers because it, like John is saying like all of a sudden then the, the quality of the beer is out of our hands where well, it may have been packaged good but if someone opened that up and then drank it over three days well on the third day on the second day or whatever four hours after you open it it's the beer is oxidized it's right it's not the same it's not the same thing that uh that you sent away with and then you know the whole issue of cleaning them and all that so yeah there's the growler people out there there's people that are just like what you know you see them they walk into the brewery with their growlers their four growlers or whatever and, and, and it's great is it at the same time it's the 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 pro to it is it is a cheap way to package beer for breweries who say don't have a canning line or don't have a bottling line too right so um there is that there is that aspect of it too so you see you know more of the small like smaller uh places doing that and you know i i'd say if, if it works for them it, it works for them um you know we like our you know we like to throw everything in in cans and and our specialty stuff in bottles but yeah no i feel you um on that note, I gotta go to the bathroom heavy, but should we get the next beer and then you guys can talk about it whilst I visit the facility? Um, sure, sure. Do it. You tell me. There's two different load styles. There was a plum and there was a strawberry. Sure. Yes. What's the best yeah. order? Well, let's do the plum because I don't have the strawberry. Okay, no problem. Plum it is. I'll be back in 30 seconds. Do you want to tell us about that beer specifically? Sure. All right, keep talking. All right. There it is. Go for it. This is uh, Is that it? Are there any other things going on? Sorry, I'm not actually here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so the low star was Uh, this is it, uh, Nectaris from, 
from four winds. winds. Uh, that that, that beer sort of blew my mind, mind the very first time that I had it. And uh, so we, 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 set, we set it up to kind of like try to do something similar. And, uh, and so the first, first couple of versions, we just played around with the dry hopping and like a few different versions of the, uh, uh, the, uh, the lactose strain. And then from there, we got into to fruiting it um, maybe about like the third or fourth incarnation of it. And I think the very – I can't remember what the very first version of it we did. It might have been pink guava was, was the very first version that we did. That sounds familiar. Um, but uh, – and, and, and that one really hit home with people, I, I think. But um, Dave, you, you want to dig into the, the specifics of the beer? Yeah, the the plot is like really really bright. It's got a nice like um, uh, kind of like citrusy, really fresh uh, thing going on. Great summer beer. That's why we wanted the LCBO for the for the summer. This one um, having plum, you know, right? The yeah. plum, yeah, that's good in the LCBO. Yep, yeah. beauty. And um, I mean, Alora is like as a destination. It's a big time like summer destination. So that's why we have you know we keep on. Uh, different versions of of Lodestar at all times because it's a it's a big seller for us. Um, um, through it, you know, people sitting uh, coming to the brewery for 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 beers um, in the summer, and it's just like such a great refreshing uh, summer beer. So yeah, we we decided on uh, on the plum because it was a it was a really big hit. Um, the, we've done it a couple times. Brewery's done it a couple times before. And yeah. um, it really just kind of, yeah, just kind of shines. It's just like a super refreshing, super uh, thirst quenching um, of a sour beer. So yeah, we're really yeah. excited about it. I love it. It's such a cool series, man. So like, I would even just very while you were talking about it, then just trying to see some of the other um, versions that you've done. You've done a ton of these, eh? Yeah. Is, there's like looks like fifteen twenty at least. Man, well, actually even more now I scroll. Um, really? This is is it? Was this a series you guys did since the beginning, or was it a more of a newer thing? Yeah. Um, when do we we, we kind of we probably started Lodestar. Uh, it must have been like mid to late 2016 when we started doing that. Like I, okay. I know it kind of came after, um, Borealis and, uh, and yeah, like we were, we were trying to look at sort of what the sort of new upcoming trends were. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so yeah, like we, um, what I was kind of saying earlier, we kind of, uh, we tried some, some four wins, um, the, mm. the Nectaris, yeah, that, that was called? Nectarus. Yeah, and good Nectarus. dudes. That that sort of like blew our minds, and then uh, I, I think Jelly King was like starting to to pick up steam at the time as well, and uh, and it was something that that really sort of like piqued our our interest, and like the beers that we tried, like we all sort of loved them, so we we wanted to kind of dig into it, and uh, yeah, we we just we just started doing them. And then we did another one, and then did another one, and then did another one, and did another one. So it, it kind of just just started going because when when we put them out, and it, it wasn't until like the like the the octopus branding and stuff like that um, that that it really started to pick up. Like the, the very first one was like 
it, it was like a very black label and it was mostly just like it, it kind of had like the same sort of like background where like the the landmass that's like behind the octopus on the label um and then uh yeah so so it, it used to be a little bit more um like scenic when it was when it was on the the label uh, mm-hmm. the, the bottle label um but yeah so uh so it started out like cool. a very dark just just kind of like a star uh on it and then i, I don't know how the the octopus kind of got in there but we we, we always kind of go down these rabbit holes with with our our labels and like the stories and stuff like that but um but yeah like it, it wasn't until we started sticking the octopus on it and started experimenting with fruit that this brand like really took off and yeah like every time we would kind of put one out like we started doing like we kept them at, at very small batches at first so like we would only do 10 hex and then when they were in bottles like maybe we would have like a thousand bottles or something like that and like they would sell out in like a weekend kind of thing when we yeah. would do like a new fruit um so it, it was it was a really fun beer to to experiment with and and it and it still is pretty fun um we uh yeah, we're 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 trying to like figure out sort of like new ways to kind of experiment with it, but without kind of dragging it too far away from sort of what the brand is. And I think that it's either like a either like a fruited sour or, or like a, a dry hop sour. And and every time we go back to the dry hop sour, like I'm always sort of impressed with like the beer that's actually underneath it. Mm. Like when you strip away like the fruit and all that kind of stuff. Like the last the last one that we did, Dave, um, maybe you can kind of dig into it a little bit, but it. It it just tasted like lemonade, and it was just it, it was awesome. It, it was it was my favorite. I think it was the last dry hop one was like one of my favorite low stars ever, out of like even all the fruited ones. Hmm. What's the base? Which one is that? Was that the 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 base is just um, I mean it's just kind of your basic kettle uh, <clears throat> sour churro uh, wheat. Um, you know, it's it's a pretty simple because we it's the it's the fruit or the dry hops that really kind of we want the, to shine in it. Um, and like yeah, John was saying, I forget what was the last one. We did one with like Enigma and El Dorado or something like that. That was like, and, and that, yeah. I think that one was like it was yeah, it was like just so like lemon, lemony. It was so so mm. nice. Um, um, and yeah, just I mean like, yeah, the acidity from the the sour just kind of. Yeah really just kind of compliments all these things. But yeah, I really, I really like the, the drop ones, uh, um, too, but yeah. You're correct. There's, it was Eldorado yeah. and Enigma. According to Untapped, if Untapped yeah. is the Bible here. Yeah, I don't know. yeah that's, that's right, yeah. Yeah. Like, there's some really interesting flavors, and I think it's a good comparison, something like Jelly King or, um, that's another one you just said before, but basically that sort of, you know, the, the, the series of fruit and salads with a fantastic base to do it. I mean, you've done pink guava, passion fruit, uh, not the plum, peach, plum, and cherry, blackberry, cranberry, orange, which I had the other day. That was great. Uh, mango and peach, raspberry and peach. Wow. Black raspberries, cranberry, foraged elderberry. That's cool. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. I love that. Boysenberry, the Eldorado Enigma, strawberry and lime, which is this bad boy here, which I may have after. Um, Nelson, just dry hop with Nelson. So then uh, lemon zested with Galaxy and Nelson. That's interesting. You've done a Brett version, foraged elderberry. Love the forage. I, no, I, I, so like the, so I, I haven't done a good job of, of cleaning up. Oh, some of these uh, are user done. generated, probably, right? Yeah. So I, I, I we've, ne- I don't think we've ever done a Brett one. 
Mm. How many, how many, how many check-ins were on that one? Great question. It actually has a proper, like they used your logo. Ah, eight. Yeah. I, I think, I think that was one that somebody just, just did, but we never actually used. I I should probably just clean that one up. Yeah. There's a bunch of them that don't have like labels on here that like it got that generic, like untapped, like, you know, little, Thing yeah. that some of well, them have. like some some of them though were like the top, at a time yeah. where, yeah, yeah. So like some of them might might have even been at a time where it's like I don't even know if we would have done like a label for it or something like that. Ah, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Still, it's cool. Cool to see. Like I like seeing um, that there's so many different ones that you guys have done. It's it's like you know you're obviously taking the series uh, seriously enough that you've got like a solid base. You're like, all right, cool. Well, we're happy with this base. Like you said, it takes like lemonade and all this stuff. What can we add to it to, you know, to to make it interesting for you guys? That I think that's super cool. I love that whole concept. This is great. And the labels, even yeah. now, I'm looking at them. They're just so like bright, like like I just said, the strawberry uh, lime one. Like it's very similar to the. I didn't notice actually. I don't know why I didn't stare at it. I'm looking at this one with the plum side by side. It's like all these pink and purple and like, that's just cool. It's just interesting. I like it. man. Yeah. We, we have a lot of fun with, with the labels. It's, it's kind of a, it doesn't always make sense. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but, but yeah, like we, we kind of go through, go, go down this rabbit hole sometimes with, with, uh, with labels. Like we, we've only worked ever with, um, with one artist Okay. And uh, who sort of has done everything for us since day one? Mm-hmm. We, we we have done some one-off labels with with a couple of uh, uh, local artists. Uh, a guy named Luke Swinson. Um, he's an indigenous artist in Kitchener. Oh. We did a, a a label, or he did a label for us last year for our our Canada Day Pale Ale that, that we did. And then more recently, um, through through Luke. Um, ended up meeting his dad and his dad's is like an awesome artist as well. So we ended up doing, um, a label with him, uh, recently as well. And, um, it's, it's always, yeah, like both, both, uh, both Luke and, and August are, are awesome dudes. And, and that, that was a lot of fun. And it kind of took, take, takes us out of our, our comfort level working with, with Blake, who goes by the, the name Jetpacks and Rollers, Roller Skates. And, uh, and, yeah, but it's 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 a lot of fun. But but Blake has has always been awesome for us. I love it. Yeah, man, it's cool. You got like a real signature look to everything, and it's cool seeing. Yeah. Like I'm looking at like five different cans here, and there's, there's there's like at the very least the font is the same, and like there's like bright colors, and there's just things in the same place. I don't know. I appreciate branding. I have a respect for. Um, <laughs> Breweries that just take their their branding serious. It's at a time where you can't really get away with with shit branding. I think I feel like it's important yeah. because it's a consumer product, and as you can imagine, there's people going to an LCBO. You know, in 2015, it was a different era. You go there now, it's a, there's a large selection, and you have to stand out. And you know, if you can, if you're able to create that nice brand, you know, consistent branding across the board, like you know, it's it's attractive, and a lot of people don't know what the fuck they're going to pick, and they just go, "Oh, this is pink can with this octopus on it. It's sick!" Like, oh, I'm going to grab, you know, like you need something that's going to sort of jump out at folks. So I like it. Yeah, and like we've we've always done all that stuff in house. Like we've never, like it's always been like Blake and I, and then uh, one of our, one of our other partners as well. 
And like, we've always kept it in house and like, it's taken a long time. Like, I feel like we're just starting to kind of get a better idea of like the, the brands that have, have done well for us and, mm-hmm. and like why they do well for us and what we kind of want to say with, with our, our labels and all that kind of stuff. Even, even sometimes like they're, they're wacky and weird and, and don't really make sense. Like last year we did, we did a lager with, uh, with fruit in it that had two reverse mermaids riding a, um, a tandem bike. Is a um, reverse a mermaid? Reverse, a, a yeah, reverse yeah. mermaid is, is like fish a fish head, head and then leg bottoms. <laughs> so like it, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And sometimes it, it doesn't need to make sense. No. But it's, it's more about like the story because like the story is with, with the, the reverse mermaids is we, we did a beer with, um, there's, there's this, uh, company called, uh, Tuke Limited. They, they, they do uh, a print magazine. So Tuke, Tuke Magazine is just like this incredible, um, regional lookbook. So it, it focuses on like different, like, uh, makers and artists and bars and restaurants and, and all that kind of stuff in like out, out in this region and friends forever was, was a collaboration with them. And, uh, that had like a goose on it and like this fish. And then, so for, for whatever reason, we, we thought it was, it was a good idea to tell a story about like the fish that was in that label. So like that fish, like ends up like just kind of likes going on, on tandem bike rides with, with a fish bud. So like th- there's a lot of stuff like that. And then, and then we're, we're coming out with like another, um, IPA soon called travel buddies. And like, that's going to be our, our new IPA series. And it's, it's like the bear from like, we, we, we use like this bear every once in a while. So like the bears kind of, kind of coming back and we, we try and like tie stuff together like that. And un- unless I, I told you the story about it, um, every, anybody would just be like, why the fuck is a fish riding a bike? <laughs> Hey, it's if that's what helps people, you know, generate interest uh, for it, then I'm here for it, man. Like, and it's got to be interesting for you too, as a business owner. You're doing all this stuff. Like, if it's not like, not stupid in a bad way, but if it's not like it's ridiculous, I guess. Like, it's a I've never even heard of a reverse mermaid, but as soon as you said it, I got exactly the vision. Like, that's yeah, awesome. Blake came. Blake you came came up with it. That. I love that. Like. It's cool, but it just like once again, just looking around, I can see uh, particularly like with the like the octopus and like you know like the the, the characters. If you've got the same um, artists doing this stuff, like it just it, it makes sense that you would you know that that consistency would play through regardless of of what it is. So I like that, man. You have to have fun. It's beer, right? Like who cares? Like it can't be overly yeah. serious. It's yeah, and like that that that's that's something that you, you kind of have to. At least, like when when you start kind of running, like your love of beer as as a business, you kind of have to like slap yourself in the face every once in a while and and tell yourself that hey man, it's it's just beer. <laughs> it's like it's it's supposed to be fun, right? And um, like it's it's lucky that's kind of turned into an industry that's um that's been hot and and uh, yeah and and people have kind of like looked at it and all that kind of stuff, but. Mm-hmm. But yeah, at, at the end of the day, you're, you're slinging beers and you want to listen to some tunes and, and drink a beer and hang out with your buds. Basically, yeah, exactly right. And, you know, like it's, it's, there are people obviously that overanalyze it and it's part of the game. But at the end of the day, the vast majority of people just want to have fun and they want ridiculous stuff. And, I, you know, I like that you guys are doing like cool, fun kettle sours and great haze and great crispies and stuff. It's like a nice little sort of balance of everything and maybe some 
the barrel aid stuff that's coming and stuff. I mean, that's uh, it's perfect. It's great. And it, it match, the, the branding and all of that, the whole package, I guess, is, is, is what I'm saying. It seems to really align. It's really interesting to speak to you guys and sort of hear this now. And I kind of, I feel like I get the whole, you know, the whole story where you guys are coming from more. It, it okay. makes complete sense. Um, beer and a Bozo was just asking as well, have you soured a beer with water pH only? I don't know if that's like super water. We're going to get back to, <laughs> to water too deep. I, I don't know. I don't know what that means. <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, no. The question is no. <laughs> the answer no. is no. <laughs> Maybe one day. Like, would he like be re- or he or she be referring uh, he. to? He. Okay. Um, be referring to just like the the way like using uh, like sour malts too or or what? I don't know. Not sure. Sounds fancy. You've never heard of that. I don't, know. I don't know. We should try it. Why not, right? <laughs> well, maybe we just get some acid rain, you know? We could maybe try, try to do an acid rain beer or something. That's what I'm talking about. It can't be bad if there you ferment it. <laughs> acid if rain. The first, if for the first ones, for the first ones, right? To take acid rain and just be like, you know, coming from the heavens since the world is kind of ending these days anyway. Like, fuck, it's, it's, it's right? meant to <laughs> just capture some of that. <laughs> ferment it. Yeah, acid rain. That was a thing when we were a kid, you know, when we were young growing up. Yeah. We don't, we don't have acid rain anymore. It's, it's it was, a, was it a real thing? It was a real thing, right? Back when we were kids, it was a real thing, yeah. Same with quicksand and... Uh, oh, okay, that type of thing. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. No, no. <laughs> I, I think acid rain was actually a, a problem for a little bit, but I, I think they outlawed one of the camp, uh, chemicals that... That caused it? it. And, rain, and, rain. And, and quicksand is real. It is real? No. <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty I'm, sure it is. I'm pretty sure I saw it on TikTok. It's got to be in Australia <laughs> if it's real. If it's something that's going to kill you, it's got to be in Australia, no? I mean, you know, we're, we're pretty thug out there. We deal with stuff all I was just talking about that tonight. Like, everything here is, like, soft and cuddly and chill. Even the spider. Yeah. Like, oh, you little cutie little spider. Like, yeah. it's not going to kill you. I like it. What about these bears? Yeah, the drop bears. The drop bears will fuck you up. When you said bear on the can, my first thought was, "Oh, it's a koala." I'm like, "Oh, hang on, Canada? No, no, that's not a koala." We we, we did do we did do uh, um, an IPA called uh, Drop Bear. You did, um, yeah. And then it it, it turned it turned out that I think uh, Market Brewery uh, did oh. did, uh, did a, a a Drop Bear IPA. I thought it was Dominion. There's, Market did um, uh, Bear Hug. <laughs> Uh, but I, I think they, they use like the theme of a bear like a lot. So I think they did do like a drop. They did bear. a drop bear too. Okay. Yeah, Still, so. I love that you guys know it because it was like our little like Aussie joke that used to tell people like, you know, people like ask dumb ass questions. Like, oh, do you ride kangaroos? I'm like, yeah, man. Like, like I had, like you, you <laughs> could pull out your Aussie driver's license. Like, yeah, this is my license. I get to ride. Just and people believe, like I was saying the Steve Owen thing, like people would believe it. You can say anything. It's awesome. Well, we got it from Dean, our, our Aussie hop grower. Did, did we not? Where, where it, was a, it was a double IPA with all of his hops. And I think that I think that's where it came from, was it not? Where yeah. he was like, oh, you should call it drop air. I'm like, all right. It's, You're like, what's cool. that? <laughs> yeah, yeah what, I, 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 I think so. Or no, no. Yeah, so it was all Dean's hops. But I, I was um, I, I was looking for uh, – we, we did another um, IPA with just his hops, and we called it Arvo. <laughs> and and uh but like that the branding wasn't great on that so 
I, I Googled um, like mythical creatures, Australia, and then drop bear came up. And it's so funny. If, if you Google drop bear, all the, all the, the Photoshopped koala bears, like, it just, it's like dropping down to get you. <laughs> oh, just like their teeth. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's so funny. It's so funny. Do you know what's hilarious? So, I went back to Australia in 2016 and my aunt and uncle took us to a uh, – I'd never seen a koala in my life. I lived in Australia until I was 29. Never seen a koala in, in my entire life. And we went to a this, this Australian wild like, – because my girlfriend was with me, so she's never been. And we went to this Australian little place in like south of Melbourne. And it was like they had you – know, you could feed kangaroos. And I'd never done that stuff before. I was, I was tripping out. And they had like emus right there and stuff. And – we did this thing where you have to take the picture with the koala and I was bugging out. It feels like a rug, like you can touch it, but they're really dumb. They've got thick skulls because they're in trees. <laughs> if they fall, they, so they won't be brain dead. So like they don't, they, they, they turn, they're like, like they're really absurdly slow and you have to keep feeding them the, the eucalyptus leaves or they'll, they'll, they'll fuck you up or whatever. But they're like, it's just really funny watching the lady, like they can barely recognize. They only, she's like, oh, they only recognize me if I'm in my khaki Steve Owen, you know, little work shirt. But they won't recognize me otherwise. I never touch one. And it's like, because the, the, the fur is mad thick and it just kind of feels like a, like a carpet or a rug. It was very, it was really weird. It was cool to actually see these damn things. And then mum recently is sending me photos from her like friend's house with like koalas in the trees. I'm like, really? My whole life. I've never seen that. You're just sending me photos now like it's nothing. And your mom lives like in like a house that they used to live in? Or? So no, the house that they're yeah. in now, they moved since we uh, left, but she was at her friend's house. So like where we grew up was like suburban Melbourne. So like literally no different than living in maybe not North York, but like Pickering or something like that. Like just a normal suburban city area. So like just normal shit, nothing crazy. You get the big spiders, like the Huntsman's that were pretty yeah. big, that would be as big as your palm and they'd be up in the thing. You're like, oh, fuck, here we go. And you have to kill it with a, a, a slipper, we call it, you know, a thong or whatever. And then there's this big squish on the ceiling because they're big. Like they're, they're as big as your thumb, the body, and they're juicy. And they got big ass legs. So you'd see them and you'd be like, oh, fuck, man, get it, get it. Um, but that was just because we were near trees. But then we never saw any, like, koala. Like, you see kangaroos here. I've seen them before, but I never, like, fed them until this zoo place. But mum's friend lived in not the stick sticks, but, like, it, a more regional area, I guess, a little further out. And then they had them there. Yeah, we went to her friend's house. And we actually went back in 2018. We took Tiffany's mum, my mother-in-law. Um, there and she she's from Jamaica so she never in her life did she ever think she was going to go to Australia so she was loving it it was so awesome watching it through her eyes I, I loved seeing her like she was just so excited and we went to our, her friend's place in the uh, there's this thing called Mount Dandenong near mum's place we grew up near there too it's just like a big ass kind of like was well, bigger than Montreal where we are here it was just like like yeah, Collingwood maybe not skiing but just big ass mountain region and we went to her friend's place and the mum's friend's husband was like, oh, watch this. So there's a, a bird called a kookaburra. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. Yeah. They make that do they, little. Do they, do they sing about it on the wiggles? Basically. That's the extent. <laughs> that, <laughs> cultural. 
Got to his head right now. I'd be very surprised if they didn't because they're pretty distinct. I'm not going to mimic it, but they do like a laugh. That that's like a real distinct thing. And he had strips of meat. And we're like, okay, so they got this place that's kind of overlooking like a bit of a valley on the mountain. And it was pretty, I was pretty impressed. I'd never really seen anything like this before. I was like, yo, this is crazy. And he's holding out this meat. These fucking kookaburras were flying up. They got these big ass razor sharp beat. They'll fuck you up. And he was holding the meat. And they would just eat the raw meat that would fly up and eat the raw meat out of his like hand. He'd hold it to him. They'd just eat the meat. And I was like... Wow bugging out because I've never seen anything like this before. It's pretty, like, if you look at it, if you look it up, you see it, but it's, it's interesting down there. Like, I was, I'm sort of happier to not be around all that stuff because, you know, you can, like you said, a lot of things try to kill you. Uh, so it's nicer to be around just little soft, tiny little balcony spiders. I'm like, come here. Like, Tiff's like, oh, get rid of them. I'm like, no problem. Don't worry. I'll get rid of you. What's, what, what's the... Um there's a name for like like redneck um for Bogan, people bogans. That live in the bogans bogans <laughs> yeah. Yeah, i can't i can't remember my yeah my, my housemate from leeds he ended up marrying uh an aussie an aussie girl and uh and i, I think it was like her uncle like came uh, to the wedding and I, I guess or or it was like a family friend or something like that and and they, they like warned me about that guy not to drink too much with him. And, and they, yeah, they, they called him a bogan, and I, yes. I didn't really sort of understand what that was. It's it's like a I guess it's not necessarily a positive thing, but it's not a negative thing that like people self-identify as that. Maybe where maybe people don't self-identify as a redneck as much, but it's essentially the I same. Think they do they do? Okay, I, I think, they do. I, I think it maybe more like a hick or something like that would okay. be like our equivalent. It's more like a, yeah, I guess basically that. And just the way they, t- it's so funny, man, because even I'm from there, but I never f- always f- like felt aligned. I'm not aligned with that human being. So to me, they're this comical, car- uh, what's it called? Caricature, caricature. Of, of, a, of, of a human. So I'm not like, oh, that's my people. I'm like, no, there's some weird dude that talks that. So I like hearing them talk because they use words and the way to describe things that I would just never think of. And there's almost nothing funnier to me because I understand the culture to hear these guys talk. It's just so funny because they're so like extra and just hear, even just going to the football, like the Australian rules football. I'm not sure if you're familiar yeah. with that, but it's like going to them, listen to the people talk and the shit they say. I don't even know if I could, I couldn't even mimic it to, to make it funny, but they're, they're hilarious. These people are just like their own little world and they don't even know it. Um, yeah, the Bogans are pretty funny. It's just like the oh yeah, like fucking get over here, Shazak, gives the beer, would ya? Like you know that type of <laughs> over the top, and that's not yeah, even yeah. fun. Like their like their whole like oh, it's so funny. I I do I do appreciate when they when they do that stuff. They even know but they're like, being funny. I, I I love I love that um, you sort of get that sort of like big cultural shift within like the, a same like a similar group of people. Where you sort of, you, you don't have to go too far to find people that like it, it. It happens a lot. Well, like it's all over the place in the UK. Like you, you go like down the street, and somebody's accent, say like in Bingley, it, uh, which is like a suburb of of Leeds, is like totally different from from like somebody that like lives in in Leeds. And like by right. by the end of like sort of living there, like you, you can tell. But it like that that always blew my mind about how you, how you can have like groups of people that are from the same country. Not that far from each other, but they they kind of they 
yeah, they, they just sort of live and, and think a little bit differently or, or have sort of just grown up in, in such a different environment that, that they sort of like approach sports or, or language differently. It's, it's crazy and it's, it's super interesting. I feel, is, is there anything, I mean, I imagine there's something like that here. I mean, you could compare it with the Quebecois, like the more rural Quebecois that are super Quebecois yeah. and then the people in Montreal that are kind of more international and chill. Even yeah. just from, from, from being not from here and seeing they're all like the, what do you call them? Like I got mates from um, Nova Scotia. They're, oh yeah, Perk the Kerr and the Kerr eh? Like those type of like trailer park boys. <laughs> Like that is so funny to me, but I know that most of the people I speak to aren't like that. So I'll make fun. Like, what are you talking about, eh? Like, and people are like, like, I don't talk like that. I'm like, you kind of do. Like, you don't know. Yeah. Anything. Like, but it I, is different. I, I I feel like on the East Coast, I I think it's a yeah, little bit hilarious. more noticeable. Yeah. And and, and in, in Quebec, like you said, just like the pockets of, of different kind of Quebecois and stuff like that. And once you kind of go out east a little bit further, it kind of like starts mashing up into sort of like the, um, like that that old sort of like settler like French um, like explorers coming kind of coming in and just like setting up in, in different spots. So like I, I think you get that more sort of on the east coast than you do out here, and right. it kind of happens more province to province. In, in Ontario, That's a good point. You, you're so. Um, I, I feel like you're so exposed to like American media and sort of mass media that you don't get like a whole lot of difference and stuff like that. And like, I, I, I don't know yeah. if that's it or, or, or what, but I, I don't, the, the way that you could just literally do like a, like a 10 minute drive in the UK and then go to a different town and people speak differently. Like it doesn't really happen here. I agree with that. I, for I don't sure. know why. I definitely would say that because I'm super conscious of accents, like I notice that my Canadian friends and people here, like if I hear an accent, like, oh, they're South African, they're New Zealand. Like people here are like, what? They're not Canadian? Like they don't even notice. So I wonder, there's probably something that maybe because I'm mildly traveled, like just through Europe and North America for the most part, but like I'm aware of accents. You can pick it up and I'm coming here and I'm like hearing how everyone talks. So I'm, maybe my radar's up a little more but I notice there's like certain friends that kind of maybe don't do the full like east coast thing but do it a little bit more than others or little things like that and I'm you know the oh yeah eh? like the the Toronto thing like the, then the Toronto man's accent which is the funniest thing in the world oh fam yo what's going on here eh? like that type of like that whole kiss the teeth and all that stuff it's like <laughs> Like learning all the nuances of all of that stuff, it's like fascinating because I didn't understand it at first. It felt so foreign. I was like, what, what is wrong with you all? What's your problem? And I could never identify it. And then understanding the Caribbean culture and how that impacted the slang and then how that goes on. And then, then like there's like the rural Ontario stuff is like slight, like a touch of the, the East Coast, but not quite to the same level. Or then if you want to yeah. bring in like the Newfie stuff, which almost sounds like Irish, if you hear a full Newfie talk. Yeah. Like yeah. I can't even try and imitate that either, but that's like a whole wild thing. But yeah, there's a whole like, inf- like, uh, like what's the word? Like a diaspora of accents and sort of vibes here as well, which is, is fascinating. Cause I didn't, it took a while being here, like I said, almost 11 years. So I'm, I get it now to a degree. When I first got here, I felt super foreign. Like I didn't yeah. really 
get it. And now the more time traveling around, spending, you know, I don't talk to Australians aside from my brother. So like I, you know, I'm like just in it. And then here on top, on top of that, then there's the Quebec. And they're hilarious. The oh wow, like the like the 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 feel like and they think it's funny when I make fun of them. They love it. I love them. They're so funny. Like the way they talk is hilarious to me because I started to understand the nuances of it all and stuff. And then they think it's funny because I'm a foreigner and I think they're funny and I mock it and they think it's funny. It's like it's awesome. I know the whole language accent thing is it makes life interesting, you know. Do you think your accent has changed at all? Yeah, yeah. Here for over ten years, yeah. Oh yeah, I've lost a lot. People back home give me so much shit, and my brother, you hear him, and he's like, "Oh yeah, nah, you know, like fucking this, fuck, you know, like he's like super Aussie." But mine is like dulled. Yeah, I, I, I always thought that you were South African. I didn't know that you were Aussie. There you go. So I'm not. You get that at all sometimes? uh, When I. Yes, when I worked at uh, Tiff and I met at the Apple. I used to work at the Apple Store at the Eaton Center in Ontario, which, fun fact, is the busiest retail environment in Canada, like everywhere. So I spoke to people every single day. That was terrible. It's horrendous, <laughs> and um, it was really bad. And um, people always came up to me and said South African. I was like, why? Because to me, it's all hard and forced, like bastard. Like that's like that's not me. I don't talk like that. I know Saf. They call them Safas in Australia. Like I know mad South Africans because they all come to Australia. I'm like I don't talk like your motherfuckers. Like I'm completely different. So, <laughs> but I can understand. I, people will say you're British, you're Scottish, you're Irish, you're from New Zealand. I'm like, no. But I think I've got maybe a bit of a bastardized. It, it's it's on mix. like your it's on it, like I feel like it's on your vowels like when you say you yeah. like that that's kind of that's kind of where where it kind of the Aussie comes in or where other things come in no where the South African comes in I can um, like I, I would my, my I, I've I've got a buddy who's actually South African and and he grew up there and and uh, your vowels kind of sound the same and, and that's kind of why I was thinking from that so I imagine yeah. it's because. And I found this interesting. When I first moved here, I didn't want to repeat myself. So like you say, can I get a bottle of water? And they're like, what? I'm like, water. I had, like, I've had this multiple times. I've had I'm, water. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like they didn't understand what I'm saying. I'm like, I didn't think it's that difficult. I've had it in the States more than here, if I'm fair. Like I've had people like straight up look at me like I'm crazy, like speaking a language. But I found that it gets to the point where you don't want to repeat yourself so that by sort of nature your accent dulls like i don't think it's gone in my head i sound aussie as hell like i'm completely and then i speak to my brother i'm like oh yeah no not so much i don't know why for some reason he has a stronger identity a cultural identity than i do so his accent is stronger it's just some people may have that i was happy to leave i love it there i still do i appreciate it now i needed to leave to appreciate it but the accent, I think, is just dull. And also, on top of that, I'm like, I've got a Canadian girlfriend, and I live in Montreal. I don't know any Australians here, and I'm talking to these French people all the time. So, like, yeah. there's language. Do you, do you, know, you know French now? Have I you picked up some French. Yeah, yeah. We went to um, we went to McGill, and we to keep me in the country. We got a, I got a study permit, a student permit, and I, we went to learn full um, French full time at McGill for six months, and I got um, really good. And I passed the immigration test and then now I suck at it because we live in, it's called Myland. It's like kind of like the hipster area and nobody yeah. really, you don't need, if I need to speak it, I can, I can read the signs, 
if I need to order stuff, I can, but I'm mad. I, I've got no confidence because every time I do it, people either switch to English or they'll just ask me what I said to repeat it again because my French accent is terrible. So it's like, yeah, I just give how, up. Uh, how, how old were you when you, when you took the course? Because like, uh, so from what I've heard, Great like point. Learn, <clears throat> learning language is, is a lot more difficult the older that you get. A hundred percent. I was, tr- it was uh, September, 2012. So I was 31. Yeah. And how, how did you find it? Difficult because you, I walked into class the first day and the teacher was, it's immersive French, right? And the teacher was speaking all French and I walked in, I'm like, Hey, is this level one? Is this the beginning in English? I'm like level one. And she's like, yeah. It's like, Oh fuck. Okay. This is what's up. So like the whole day, this was 9am till, till 3pm, six months straight. Like we, I did three, we did three levels of six weeks per level. I passed them all. I kicked ass. I got like A's and B's and shit. And I'm, I was never the brilliantest student, but I paid it. But you had to like lean forward. Like, all right, what, you can't even like look down at your phone or do something else for one second because you miss one word and you don't know what the fuck they're saying. So like you're staring. And I remember just being exhausted because <laughs> you're like mentally, you're just like, you can't switch off at yeah. all and you have to soak it up. But what that did though, Six months of that full time, they told me, was like four to five years of doing it sort of in school. So we compacted it in this short period. Tiff was younger, so she's better at it than I am. I just have no confidence unless I'm drunk in an Uber. If I'm drunk in Uber, these men talk to me. I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'll go give it a crack. And it's, <laughs> and it's fine. But the funny thing This guy's making no sense. Yeah, he's like, yeah. And they, they play along because you're drunk. And they're like, oh, gosh, you're another drunk guy. <laughs> but like you just don't need it here. I go to a cafe. If I need to order any, I, as long as you bonjour people here, like you go, bonjour, can I get a oat milk latte? And they're like, yeah, cool. Like they don't not understand you. I'm like, I, if I want to be fancy, I could French it up, but I don't need to. So I just don't. And does that make Montreal pointless? Well, I just like, it's nice that it's around. But if, for the first while, it was really hard to just do stuff to like, every time I call and made a phone call, I was, my heart was racing. I'm like, I'm not going to get what I need to get. I mean, because they're not going to understand me and I'm going to have to deal with some bullshit. And I've told my friends here that, like, wow, I never thought of that. Like, cause they can all speak French so that they don't understand that it's like actually a problem. But this day, I don't know, maybe I've been here long enough. I just don't even care. Before I used to get nervous. Like, bonjour, uh, parlez-vous anglais? No? Okay. Like, you can just get them straight to it. But as long as you hit them with the bonjour in the beginning, good to go. That's yeah, because like they... Yeah, they, they they can also tell, right? Because like, you, you say bonjour so so terribly. terribly. They're, they're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, fucking English. <laughs> and so also, I'm just gonna speak English to this guy. That's, and that's how you can kind of get around in France too, right? Where I like bet. you just say bon, bonjour in like the most English way that you can, and they're like, like, what what do you want? Uh, yeah, it's what, <laughs> even when I was trying to speak French and actively like practicing, they would switch to English. I'm like, oh come on, man, like. Let me try it. Like, yeah. Let me work this out. But they wouldn't let you. So then you just give up. But then the yeah, other man. way, you go, oh, they call and you go, bonjour. I'm so sorry. My French is so bad. You speak English. And then as soon as you get like apologetic and you kind of like mean it, they're mad cool too. So like, yeah. as in like, but you don't get like, oh, I have to speak French. Like if you get in that attitude, they'll probably give it back to you. But if you sort of it's come I, apologetic, it's different. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, I, I think because like, um, most of them know English that it's like um, that they, they sort of just want to know that, that you'll try 
before kind of just like giving you like the easy way out and speaking English to you. Yeah. Um, when I was living in the, uh, in the UK, like, um, my, my, my friends and I, we went on this bike ride through France and we, uh, we camped. Uh, so it was like this like long, like three week bike trip that, that we did this like camp everywhere that, that we went. And we, we, we got to this one campsite and it was late. It was like just before they, they were closing. And luckily, uh, my friend spoke, uh, French, like he, he was okay at it. And, uh, this guy was like grinding, grinding his gears, like speaking French, like speaking quickly. Uh, and then, so like really, uh, was forcing Ton to, to use like every little bit of French that he had uh, until he, he was like, okay. And then just started speaking English to him. Cause like he, like he ground his gears like hard and just, just wanted him to put in some effort before before he made it easy on him and uh, i i think that's that's kind of funny but and i i feel like culturally like i feel like people want you to to try a little to bit try i get right? it to yeah try. it's a little bit of a respect thing right it's like if, if you're coming coming here just just give it a shot like give it a crack man and yeah. and there were they that usually they were more times than not they were sort of oh he's trying they were sort of like super <laughs> nice to you and they would talk yeah. really slow like you know what do you want or whatever you know shit like that but i noticed that when you're talking about france when i hear a, a, a france french person speak and a quebecois person speak it's it's two different things so different yeah. And it's like, it's so much easier. If I hear someone from France, I can pick it straight away now. And I'm like, oh shit, I understand everything you just said. And then the Quebec person, like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm like, oh fuck, I have no idea. Because sometimes I can, like, well, we can do it real quick and I, and I make it sound like I know what I'm talking about. And then they'll be like, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh fuck, oh, yeah, sorry, dude. I just, <laughs> yeah, like, didn't understand a word. And I just feel like the, the apology is what gets you over the line. But as long as you tried in the beginning, as you're like, désolé, uh, je ne parle pas français, uh, ma français est mal, and they're like, you know, they're like, oh, okay. And then they'll, even if they're struggling, it's like cute that they're trying because they know they're better at English than you are at French. And it's like, uh, it used to piss me off and be frustrating, but now it's just funny. I don't know. Because I'm like, I'm comfortable. But it took a while to get to this point. We've been here 2012, what's that? So nine years in July we've been here. So it's been a while. But it's uh, it's interesting, and it's cool. At least, even if you want to bring it back to beer again, I know we've had our own little yap for a while. But you know, like the the, the beer scenes between these two provinces are fantastic, and I think something that COVID's done is, is created like an interest between the two because people who would travel more for beer, who, uh, we've all been stuck for the most part, unless you didn't give a fuck when you got to Florida. COVID doesn't exist there, but you know the um, <laughs> apparently not. You know, people like the most exciting thing we can do, like is, you know, if you're in Quebec, get Ontario beer and vice versa. So that's been like a cool little, like, you know, keeping things sort of more local and bringing that sort of like uh, view back to, to each of the provinces. And like, you know, hopefully when, when things now, you know, today actually in Montreal, the, the, the curfew, or in Quebec, I'm sorry, the curfew lifted. We had a curfew since January, which is now gone. And then in a couple more weeks, I think everything opens up and they're giving it a trial. I think you guys are too. So that means that travel between the, the provinces is going to be open. Um, and I think a lot of people are going to be excited about that because the border to the states is still not open. And it might not be for some time. It's probably smart. So I'm hoping that there's going to still be a lot more of this cross-border interest 
um, being that, you know, maybe over the summer, a lot of people from Quebec will go to Muskoka or something on the way. They'll cruise through some Toronto or different towns, LCBOs, and be able to discover more beers there. And then vice versa, people who get from Ontario go up to Tremblant or Laurentians and all that type of stuff and, you know, really trying to um, to discover both the scenes. So, like, there's a nice little, you know, bonus in there. There's an interest between us. I think that's really cool and I hope it can benefit you guys as well, that people can discover you in a bunch of LCBO. One LCBO, before I say that, is is the one on um, the border. It's called Hawkesbury, Ontario. Okay. So that's where uh, this is ridiculous. But to my left is our balcony, and I have a fucking a bunch of like garbage bags full of the empties because it's it, I can't if I can't take this can to my supermarket because they won't give me the ten cents for it because um, they didn't buy it from there. So we bring them to Ontario. And we go to Hawkesbury, and Hawkesbury is the closest LCBO to Montreal, and it's sort of like on the 47, just off the 417, sort of towards Ottawa. And it's like this border town. And that's where a lot of people from Quebec go to discover Ontario beer. And I feel like that is the place, if you're going to get your your product in anywhere, to start to get some interest here, if you have a a presence there, even if it's just a couple of SKUs, I feel like that's going to get some interest, particularly now that, you know, I I imagine the borders are probably open at this point, or they will be soon. Um, You know, It'll it'll um it'll start to maybe generate some of that interest and that will you know now people can travel they're going to see where you guys are and I actually didn't realize where you guys were you're a little bit north of Guelph right like it's not like southwest I thought you were deep southwest it's like just north of Guelph which isn't too far even from mm-hmm. Ontario right I'm sorry too from Toronto so like yeah. it, you know it could lead to a bunch of interest from from people from out of province you can finally travel a bit more and looking for something interesting cool. fun yeah. you know. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let them. I'll uh, let our, let our LCBO sales team know. Yeah, and uh, yeah, like we, uh, I, like w- one of the things that I'm, I'm kind of grateful that, that we saw last year is that a lot of a lot more people are traveling close to home. So mm. the tourist traffic in Aurora last year was just like it was bonkers. Like in the six years that that we've been around, and I've been six or seven years that I've been living out here, I've never seen that many people in. In a war, really? it, it looked like it looked like Queen Street West. Wow! Uh, on on a busy summer day in Toronto, Jeez. kind of thing. It was just like mad people. It was it was crazy, but I, I think that's that's definitely one of the things that's going to help local businesses and, and businesses in, in small towns is, is people don't have the option to to go as far and wide as, as they used to, and and they're discovering a lot of hidden gems and stuff like that. So it's it's awesome and. If there's one thing that I'm, I'm I'm thankful for is that maybe this has kind of spurred a little bit more interest in, and people sort of exploring a little bit closer to home. We, we we do get a lot of people from from Toronto coming to Aurora, so um, so that's that's pretty cool. That's dope. Yeah, I hope that's going to just expand more. Like, there's going to be more people from from here, from this side coming across into there and really discovering that because I think that's like that's where the thirst is, right? Like when people want that um, itch scratched for something new and different and exotic like before maybe here because I think at least in Montreal because we're so and a lot of these border towns uh even like Sherbrooke and all of that everyone's really close to the border so they'll just zip across to Vermont and whether they go to Maine or Massachusetts or stay there or go to upstate New York or something there's there's a bunch of options but 
when that isn't an option, like you said, exactly right, they've been sort of forced to discover the hidden gems. Like, oh, wow, like all of this amazing stuff was in our backyard the whole time. And now the backyard will extend between between the provinces that we haven't really been because this is the second summer with this stuff. But the first summer that we know that shit is like not going to be okay. Yeah, like exactly. Before right. we were like, is it going to end? Is it going to end now? What's going to happen? And now we know like, all right, well, this is, this is life. So I think it's going to come back like stronger than it was before. Like same as when we were talking about music and, and uh, restaurant dining and all this stuff. People are, people are so excited. Like how excited you get out to a, a concert, you know, or have dinner with your, your friends. I think it's, uh, I think we're going to come back stronger for it. I think that's a good thing because I mean, we've, we've always had a good uh, culture of that stuff before, but I mean, when you look around other parts of the world, we don't have that deep of a culture with, with that sort of thing. And, and it, it, I think it ties into, yeah, you know, the, have some beers in the, the park or have some, have, uh, you know, have some drinks in the park. Um, you know, you look around the world and a lot of cities in Europe and like, I've been to South America. They all have like a, a town square mm. and it's, town square. is just like, it's, there's, you know, maybe there's roads that go around it, but it's just like public space and it's park or if it's designated to pedestrians and most of these places, yeah, you can have a, you can have a drink and you can do whatever. And it's, and our cities aren't really designed around that. You know, it's, our cities aren't designed for the public in that sense, for the, for the pedestrian walking through. And I think that's one thing we're kind of, missing over here um and i think that it can only come back stronger and i think we're seeing the signs of it with the, with the bottle shops opening up and and that sort of thing but i think that it's i mean it, it kind of has to you know because every, everybody wants it it's it's silly to to not allow that sort of thing and and in, in the end yeah there's gonna be a couple of idiots but really it's just bringing people together and 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 sharing that kind of thing that we all loves to do with each other. Yeah, 100%, man. I think it's like, there's a, there's a, like you said, there's like a need for that more than there ever was because people have missed, like we're all saying, like there's that, that, that connection that we're missing, whatever that connection might be, whether it's like you said, like, a, like a, a live show or just sitting at a restaurant and stuff. So, I mean, maybe step one is the patios and people feeling more comfortable and knowing there's not really any transmissions is happening outdoors and then they're opening indoor dining and then you get people get used to it and hopefully that'll sort of lead to a, a nice rollout of a safe way that hopefully this spreads as little as possible and we can just sort of operate as close to normal and have these sort of connections again that we maybe don't know that we're missing because it's been so long. And we don't know that we sort of are missing. I mean, some things are obvious and that's why I didn't even like to think about it. You guys were talking about all the travel before and I was like, I just try to think about it. It's just easier not because it's sort of like we were looking into going to Australia. Like even just, you know, they lock you in. You have to pay for it. They lock you in a quar- the quarantine hotels. Doors are locked. Windows are locked. You're locked in that shit for two weeks and you got to pay for that shit. Like, wow. That's so grim. It's, I'm like, I'd love to visit my mother. I haven't seen her. I was, we were supposed to go like starting last year. And now I don't know when we're going to go, but like, I don't, I, I'm not super comfortable with being locked away for two. I understand why, but I also don't want to wear double masks on this 20 hour, you know, 20, 30 hours of flights or whatever either. So like, you yeah, know, there's really. uh, 
you know, that this is the next best thing is to make sure we're just going to keep it super local. And I, I can't see that going anywhere for a while. And I feel like it's definitely going to benefit a lot of the local economies and just allowing people to really, you know, look in their backyard or, or at least within their region, you know, from Toronto, you guys aren't too far from there and so on and so forth. And, and just be able to like, wow, there's some really cool stuff here. We should, you know, be visiting these places more often and some great beer and great food and, and great whatever, any other products, maple and blah, 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 that people are, are producing in, in different regions. And maybe that's a positive side effect of all of this. And it sort of, uh, you know, it, it brings that thing back to local. And it shows you when you can't go anywhere, what what's left. Like local is what's left. And the people and the businesses and stuff. And that's why it's kind of like hopefully – Everyone wants to see all the businesses survive, not even just breweries, but everyone wants to see it all survive because you don't want to come onto the other side of this and then there's nothing left for, you know, in, in any cities or towns. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting, yeah? Yeah, yeah. really, really, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. But, uh, boys, I feel like we're – I don't want to keep you guys up too late. So we spoke about we're up to midnight. We hit three hours because we were just yapping. Um, this was a ton of fun, man. You guys are awesome. I really appreciate you both, man. The beers are are fantastic. The branding is killer. I, I, I love everything you guys are doing. I have for a long time, but even more so now I've actually got to hear from you both and, uh, you know, congrats on everything. The shit is killer. I love it. Thanks. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll keep sending you some beers and, um, yeah, like as, uh, let, let's rendezvous with the, um, uh, the tourism office again when uh, when you're uh, if you're comfortable traveling sometime soon and yeah man. we'll try and get you down to Alora because it, it'd be it'd be sweet just hanging out for some beers and yeah, uh, love to and and drinking and yeah catching up again yeah oh. was, this yeah this was a lot of fun no nah, man I appreciate you both uh, it was really great to finally connect and meet like Dave and meet you John that we've been talking for years. Um, you guys are awesome. Seriously, like, I'm, I'm really proud of everything you guys are doing. It's so sick, and I love it even more now that I got to hang out with you guys. So we'll, we'll definitely be there. Now I realize how close – I thought Alora was far as fuck, man. I thought you guys were like deep southwestern, like Windsor, Ontario yeah. level, like four hours from Toronto. Like if <laughs> if things like – were able to travel to Toronto, because I would like to see my brother and my mother-in-law at some point. You guys, how far are you from Toronto? Like an hour tops? Uh, yeah, uh, it, bit, like yeah. good, good, yeah, good, good traffic. You're, you're like an hour. All right. Ten. Well, we might even be able to figure something else out without even a tourism nonsense to be able to, to swing by and, and hang out. So let's, uh, let's, yeah. let, let's keep keeping in touch. I appreciate it. Um, That'd be great. stick around at the end of this. I'm going to wrap this up and then we'll, we'll finish up after, but where can everybody find, if you guys want to be found, uh, individually, but where can everyone find you, uh, Alora? And you both online. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Allura Brewing Company, uh, straight up Facebook, uh, AlluraBrewingCompany.ca, old school website, and um, at Allura Brewing Company on Instagram. And we, we do have a TikTok. Um, we've really? got a couple of videos on there. <laughs> so, awesome. um, yeah, I, I think there's one of, of Dave. Uh, when that like trend was there where like you threw a shirt at somebody and then like it changed their, their clothes and stuff. We've we've got, we've got a, we've got a video of of that up there and then we beat the shit out of a 2020 pinata. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. Dave going in. Love it. So, yeah. 
yeah, thanks again for having us. No, I appreciate it. Dave, do you want yeah, to be man, found? It's been great. Do you want to be found anywhere, Dave, or you want to just? Uh... Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm on Instagram as Logger Dave. Is my handle, so you can find me there if, uh, if anyone's uh, wants to reach out or. Yeah. We'll send you some kisses. It, it's, it's just pictures of water. Mostly water. water yeah. And also follow yeah, wa- the new one at Water Dave everywhere. <laughs> water, yeah. It's just going to be. <laughs> So, like I'm going like to have a solid three followers. It's going to be great. Two, two of those are going to be me. Don't worry. I got yeah. you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, boys, yeah, stick around. I'm going to wrap this up and then we'll, we'll, we'll chat out. But uh, thank you both seriously for hanging out. This was awesome, man. I had a really good time. Thanks Appreciate you guys. Oh, genuine pleasure, man. Guys, everyone, thank you for watching and listening. If you enjoyed the episode, smash the thumbs up. Hit subscribe below and hit the notification bell so you know when all the new episodes drop. Follow us on social media at BAOS Podcast everywhere and make sure you check out the long-form audio. We are available on all networks and you can hear attractive gentlemen like Uncle Dave and Uncle John talk about craft beer. We'll be back next, let's just say Thursday. I can't even remember. At 9 p.m., we'll be here. Follow us on Instagram. We say why and what's happening. We'll see you then, guys. Peace.